Blog Talk Radio. Well, for some reason, we've lost him right off the bat here on Wide Men Can't Jump. He dropped. Hello, Josh. That's okay. I'll take his place. What are we talking about this week, Nathan? A lot of stuff. Like what? Like we're talking about the Golden State Warriors. Eh, who cares about them? We're, Warriors. we're talking about the Charlotte Hornets. We're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. And we're talking about all the news that you can sta- you can shake a stick at here on Wide Men Can't Jump. Well, I tell you what, Nathan. There's a big old stick out in the yard, so you better get to it. That indeed there is. It's episode 98. We are two weeks away from the 100th episode as the man left. Luckily, background Josh Brown walked through the door just as he did. But here he is, ladies and gentlemen, from the Great White North, Tim Dombrova. It's all it's all lies. I did not have sex with that woman. Yeah, you did. You sent me pictures. <laughs> I also didn't call Russia. And ask, or the Ukraine and ask them for anything. Wasn't oh, me. God. We are not getting into that on this show. <laughs> I refuse. I uh, refuse. Trust the process, Nate. Trust the process. Well, speaking of... Uh, trust the process? I'll uh, say this. I'm trusting the process of talking a couple of minutes before the... Uh, before the intro of the show, just to see if it works like it's been working lately, and uh, we're gonna about, we're about to see if it works. And if it does work, we're going to get us a little bit of a oh, a little bit of the bubbly, the bubbly. yeah, a little bit of the bubbly. bubbly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if it's not working, then that means we've been foiled. We've been foiled by there's uh, Diana looking like some kind of whore. <laughs> Yeah. So here we go. Let's try that intro, shall we? You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen T. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meats at stayclassymeats.com, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass fed ground beef. This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, Wide Men Can't Jump, and follow us on Twitter at WideJump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. Well... It worked. Of course it worked. <laughs> of course it worked. It worked Ladies and gentlemen, this wide men can't so. jump. It's episode 98. I, uh, who would have thought we got this far? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think we'd get this I far. Did. I knew we would. You you knew it? Yeah, yeah of course it is. I'm, well, I'm proud of you. Everything. You do. You do. Well, I'll tell you what. You were the one that broke the news to me earlier about 
Orlando Magic and Markel Fultz. Craziness, isn't it? Who would have thunk it? Not I. Why don't you uh, let everyone in on the news that broke earlier today? Let let the good listeners of the show know we've poked a lot of fun at Markel Fultz. But there's two big announcements. Tim has the first one. I have the second one. So go ahead, Tim. Put your hands together, ladies and gentlemen, and applaud because Markel Fultz is apparently ready to go. We'll be in full training for the preseason and is expected to get the nod. Well, if his preseason goes right, I guess. But is uh, fully, yeah. fully healthy, supposedly, and ready to roll. And on the news of Markel Fultz getting the nod and being cleared for training camp, he's supposed to be 100%. The Orlando Magic released a new theme song today for their season. It's a... Uh, Look now, it's kind of a experimental a little bit, but uh, you'll get the picture here in honor of the news. Let's go ahead and play that new. It's, it's a short song, but it's, it's the new Orlando Magic theme. You all may enjoy it. Check it out. Put your hands up in the air. 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 You uh, you realize that uh, 32,000 people in Orlando just got scapular imbalance. <laughs> That's right. Put your hands up in the air. That is uh, by DJ Nate, uh, in case you were wondering. Uh, oh, yeah. I thought you might enjoy that. Oh, yeah. No, I, well, I thought you might uh... – I thought it might be throw them up in the air and wave them like just don't care. I was ah, that was too easy. I made my own. Can't argue with it. <laughs> my coat of many colors. <laughs> yeah, well, we got an update on that coming up in that Bogus report. Well, we got the Bogus report on deck, <laughs> but before we get to that, let's go ahead and tell all of you out there this show is brought to you by newlawoffice.com. Tim, we had a chance to watch a video of Mr. New in action. I did. Uh, and man, oh man, what a what a litigator. Mr. New, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting when you're watching a guy do something like that and you're starting to feel nervous like he's coming at you. You know. <laughs> it's like I didn't Luckily, do anything. he's on our side. <laughs> well, hopefully forever, but uh, Yes, very much so forever. Uh, I'm the only, uh, I don't, probably don't have to worry about it. You might have to, but I'm up here in Canada. You probably chances of him litigating me are pretty slim, but that's like well, getting Tim, I know some he's international a, conspiracy. I know that, Tim, he's a great litigator, but, of course, you are a master debater. Yeah, right. I've, also, uh, I've also got a coven named uh, Ivan Jackanoff. Wow, we sunk in those. He didn't just say that. <laughs> it's just practice, Nate. <laughs> just practice. But again, it's New Law Office, newlawoffice.com. Check them out. Let's hear some more from them. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accident, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 
362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Thanks to New Law Office at newlawoffice.com, a great sponsor of the show. So, the Ed Boggess concession stand report continues. As we have followed Mr. Boggess for two weeks now, only 28 weeks to go. They're <laughs> counting this one. What a tour it's going to be. I wonder what uh, Ed is going to do with his frequent flyer miles. I don't know. Maybe take his wife on a much-needed vacation after he gains 800 yeah. pounds <laughs> and becomes the mighty Yokozuna Ed Boggess. Not sure. Boggess, Boggazuna. Bakazuna. <laughs> Bakishi. <laughs> now, let's get to this report. This week, our man Cecil is up in Brooklyn, and this is the Bogus Report, week three. We interrupt this edition of Wide Men Can't Jump for this breaking NBA news. Good evening, everyone. I'm Cecil B. Buxnart, and I'm here in Brooklyn, New York, as we enter leg number three of the Ed Bogus World Concession Stand NBA Tour. Of course, uh, as we know, Ed Bogus, the Shinston Senko, much beloved. Uh, we're here in Brooklyn, where, of course... Um, Boggs, a big, uh, big celebrity in Brooklyn, uh, New York being the mecca. Uh, Brooklyn being a part of the New York, but uh, we'll get to New. We'll get to the Knicks another day, but uh, we've got some un- unbelievable news. Um, as we were getting ready to record the uh, concession stand uh, I- info, uh, we were contacted by an anonymous uh, source who presented us with a bootleg videotape of a 2004 WWE event that happened at the Barclays Center involving Ed Boggs. Now, we'd never heard of this. Um, Our crack team of lawyers has suggested that we not play the tape, but yours truly, Cecil B. Buxnord, has watched the tape, and it's unbelievable. I mean, this was uh, a mega card. Uh, We had... uh, all the greats, uh, The Rock, Stone Cold, uh, Mick Foley, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. They were all there that night. Uh, and, of course, Bruce Pobans, uh, who uh, was supposed to attend but was uh, too busy being a, uh, well, what, an actor, uh, rescue, uh, survival worker, a preacher, uh, a wrestling trainer. Um, a uh, Homeland Security cleared and vetted uh, parking ticket meter maid, apparently. Um, and he was supposed to face uh, 
Well, we really don't know who he was supposed to face, because let's face it, Bruce Pobans is full of shit. But anyhow, uh, what this video was, was a, a battle royal, a celebrity battle royal. And uh, after watching it, I'm going to give you this breakdown. Uh, you know, 2004, 20-person celebrity battle royal with uh, Matt Damon, Lou Ferrigno, Woody Allen, Debbie Gibson, Jay-Z, Jimmy Kimmel, Barry Manilow, Alyssa Milano, Rhea Perlman, Adam Sandler, Gabriel Zabidi, Barbara Streisand, Scott Bale, Emily Blunt, Steve Buscemi, who I can't remember if Steve, I, actually I don't think Steve was part of it, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Arlo Guthrie, uh, Devon and uh, Bubba Rave, the, the Dudley Boys, and the Brooklyn Barla. Now, um, apparently what happened, uh, uh, the first out was a Bogus to a big, big hand from the crowd. And at number two was a Ruth, uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg, who uh, refused to sell a DDT applied by Bogus, which enraged him. And apparently he went into business for himself. Uh, he uh, threw the 98-pound Ginsburg in the front row, screaming, <laughs> court is adjourned, and then proceeded to lay waste to uh, everyone who came to the ring in spectacular fashion. Uh, he hit... Uh, Number three was Arlo Guthrie, who uh, came out to his uh, album Son of the Wind. Uh, Bogus uh, said he was full of hot air and could fry chicken with it, and uh, he hit him with a whisper in the wind and uh, eliminated him. Uh, Real Perlman was next. Um, she played to the crowd, and uh, but uh, Bogus uh, punched her in the head, uh, did a schoolboy roll-up uh, while yelling, uh, nobody knows your name. Uh, <laughs> number five was uh, Matt Damon. Uh, he came to the ring, grabbed a mic, and uh, started to talk some nonsense about water conservation. Uh, Bogus uh, took the mic, yelled, uh, Jason Bourne is a wuss, and uh, made Damon tap out to a sharpshooter. Uh, Lou Ferrigno was next, and uh, took time to pose in the ring, which uh, enraged Bogus, who uh, hit him over the head, uh, put him in a sleeper, and yelled at him, uh, uh, where's the Hulk now, you Schwarzenegger wannabe? Uh, a surprising entry at number seven, Woody Allen. Uh, who came in and told Bogus he was going to use his newly learned South Korean martial arts. Uh, Bogus surprised everyone and blew green mist in his face and told him Hannah and his sisters sucked and uh, <laughs> took off his shirt to reveal a safe a Sunyi shirt and pinned the blind Woody Allen. Uh, next up was uh, Debbie Gibson, who uh, came to the ring to the uh, Sounds of Electric Youth, which uh, prompted Bogus to start singing, I think we're alone now. Uh, and he hit Gibson with a spinning drop kick while muttering... Uh, you ain't no uh, Robert Gibson. Uh, at number nine, there uh, was uh, Jay-Z. Uh, he uh, came into the ring and started dancing. Uh, Bogus uh, replied with a spin of Rooney and uh, told him that uh, you just didn't rap that, uh, were his exact words. Uh, in at number ten was uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, he tried to do a monologue, which uh, caused Bogus to uh, puke. Uh, he put a sock in his uh, mouth and applied the mandible claw while whispering it quietly as uh, Jimmy Kimmel passed out, you'll never be Johnny Carson. Uh, at number 11 was uh, Barry Manilow, who came out to uh, I Write the Songs, which caused Bogus to, you might write the, to reply, you might write the songs, but I'm the booker, and I don't put over anyone, and uh, he hit him with a sweet chin music with a pin. Uh, it didn't appear that he had lost his smile. Uh, in at number 12 was uh, Alyssa Milano, who attempted to charm Ed Bogus with her cleavage. But a wise and old Ed Bogus said, though, he said, uh, who's the boss now? And uh, hit him with a sidewalk slam and threw him over the top <laughs> rope. Uh, 
Funny man, Adam Sandler was next at number 13, and uh, he tried to lock up with Bogus. Uh, you can hear uh, quite clearly that Bogus is taunting uh, Sandler, telling him little Nicky sucked, and that the Hanukkah song was uh, severely overrated. Uh, he then hit uh, Sandler with a clothesline from hell and eliminated him. Uh, and then, uh, number 14 was Gaboria Sabidi. Uh, she dared Bogus to body slam her, to which he gave her uh, a Ric Flair poke in the eyes, uh, power slammed her, and uh, uh, pinned her while saying, Ain't that precious? Uh, in at 15, uh, super celebrity powerhouse Barbara Streisand came to the ring to, to her music, A Star is Born, uh, to which Bogus uh, punched her in the face, told her that Yentl was the worst film he'd ever seen, and then hit a shooting star splash on her for the pin. Uh, in at number 16, uh, Scott Bale rolled into the ring, and uh, he actually managed to connect with a stiff right hand while yelling, uh, guess who's in charge? Uh, Bogus uh, smiled, uh, didn't uh, didn't put over the punch. Uh, he then kicked Bio and uh, put him in a figure forward, demanding he tap out, and then asked him, hey, did you ever tap that Jody chick? <laughs> uh, in at number 17, uh, actress uh, Emily Blunt, uh, she rushed the ring and attempted a headlock. Uh, Bogus broke the hold, uh, clothesline Blunt, and then put her in the razor's edge, while <laughs> lamenting that Edge of Tomorrow was a horrible movie and that uh, Tom Cruise was a pussy. Uh, then uh, at 18 and 19 were the Dudley boys, who attacked Bogus from behind, but uh, he rallied, uh, delivered several clotheslines. Uh, he then, uh, surprisingly, uh, in WWE fashion, uh, a condiment table appeared, which he put uh, Devon through off the top rope, and uh, then he, uh, off the uh, turnbuckle, uh, he uh, splashed uh, Bubba Ray uh, through a, a hot dog stand with Swanton Bomb. Uh, he then pinned them both uh, while using, uh, with the other hand, applied ketchup and mustard to a footlong and ate it, much to the delight of the crowd. <laughs> now, number 20 was a local fan favorite, the Brooklyn Brawler. Uh, he attempted to get in the ring, but Bogus pulled out a 10-pound bologna sausage, smashed the brawler, and pinned him, while the PA played No Sleep Till Brooklyn by the Beastie Boys. And that was it, except uh, a lot of celebrating as uh, Bogus uh, uh, celebrated and uh, did the Hulk Hogan poses for the fans. Uh, to the music of uh, Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar. <laughs> now, to get back to the eating part of this program, because that was unbelievable. I'm still not sure if it was even true, if we haven't been the, the butt of some joke. But uh, the uh, Brooklyn Nets concession stand, uh, yeah, we don't know here. Brooklyn might have been a bit of a letdown after the Boston concession stand. But uh, anyway, uh, Brooklyn offered up to Bogus the... Uh, Kevin Durant pulled pork sandwich. That's made from fresh calf meat that's been left to graze in the California sun. Um, it's got uh, Oklahoma onions and uh, Seattle's finest barbecue sauce made from the sweat of rabid fans that wish they still had a team. That's interesting. Uh, then we've got the uh, John Calipare Calamare, which of course is a uh, deep fried squid. Uh, this particular dish is made from the slimiest squid from uh, Massachusetts. And uh, the batter is made in Memphis from the uh, shredded uh, 2009 Memphis uh, basketball season. Um, it's uh, Brooklyn's answer to the Patino clam chowder from Boston. Uh, up next, we've got the uh, Kylie Irving, uh, Kylie, <laughs> Kylie, Kyrie Irving tofu. Now, this is just sold as an extra for to put on other items. It looks like and appears to be exactly what you want, but it turns out to be bland and unwanted. You don't really need it to improve anything. Uh, <laughs> apparently, uh, people in Brooklyn refer to it as the DeRozan. 
Ooh. Uh, then we got the Spencer Dinwood and Dagwood. We got 13 different meats, nine different cheeses, Miracle Whip, and the mustard. And it's uh, presented on a bun that is baked using the heat generated from the bodies on a Brooklyn net bench. <laughs> Gives it a unique flavor. And, of course, what concession would be complete without a drink, uh, which, uh, of course, we've got the uh, Kenny Atkinson Kool-Aid. Uh, of course, this is a translucent beverage. Um, it's a bit tricky, apparently, according to the uh, description. It's a multi-flavored, layered cornucopia of taste. Uh, it's meant to uh, bring together both the communities of New Jersey and Brooklyn, past and present. Uh, but uh, Ed said it uh, tasted like Love Canal met the Jersey Shore. Well, <laughs> after stuff. He said he'd rather drink uh, water out of a West Virginia mud puddle. Mm. And uh, that was it for the Brooklyn concession. A little bit weak, as I said. Uh, and in fact, uh, surprising no one, um, Brooklyn got a D. That was... Uh, mm. Uh, two A's so far, and then Brooklyn got a D for that concession. Uh, Ed Boggs, uh, very much uh, not impressed with uh, Brooklyn. Uh, I don't know if uh, the Nets uh, felt that uh, anything real good might be a, too much shock to their fans, but uh, anyway, that's where it is. Now, um, in other news, as always, um, we did have a Tom Robinson sighting this week. Uh -oh. A fan called in from uh, fan called in from Hoboken, New Jersey, or is it New York? I don't know. Hoboken, anyway, said uh, they saw a large man in a very large coat <laughs> muttering uh, something about uh, trust the process, and uh, he apparently was sitting in the back of a of a, of a van, uh, like a, a loading van, full of packages. And he was busy uh, signing paperwork uh, and muttering and throwing the packages in the garbage. <laughs> and uh, it was quite strange. And when approached by uh, um, uh, said our informant, uh, he ran off screaming, uh, Paul is dead, Paul is dead. <laughs> uh, I don't quite understand the reference. But, uh, so I don't know if that was TR, but uh, apparently... Uh, Still uh, out there and uh, live and in charge. So anyway, uh, that's it from us. Uh, still can't get over that whole uh, battle royal. Uh, got me a bit, uh, bit fuddled. But anyway, uh, back to Nate and Tim in the studio. Everyone have a good day now. My goodness. <laughs> My Paul goodness. Is, Paul is dead. <laughs> Paul is dead. Oh, oh gosh. Cecil, you've done it again. He's uh, bringing the news to you and me, I tell so, you. But, uh, uh, so week four, we'll see Ed Bogus where? Um, you know, I need to check his uh, his travel plans here. Will that be um, Charlotte? I, let me double check on that. I think it will be, but I don't know for sure. Cause that you know uh, well we got we need to know because that bugger he won't fly anything to first class so we got to book him tickets so yeah yeah I understand yeah. It, it will be Charlotte it it will be Charlotte as he uh, heads down to the land of the hornets and I've actually <laughs> been there so Charlotte North Carolina right yes North okay. Carolina indeed is that like anywhere near Duke it's 
right in by Cameron somewhere, isn't it? Same, uh, same state. Well, what about uh, oh, in relation to the Hardy Boys? Eh, same state. They live in Cameron too, don't they? Yeah, somewhere right or somewhere right near there. Hmm. All right, interesting. Mm-hmm. Charlotte, you say? Yes, Charlotte indeed. Hmm. But uh, we're talking more about Charlotte on this episode of uh, Wide Men Can't Jump. And again, this episode is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, but it's also brought to you by our good friends that'll help you take the load off over at Strip Camp Fun. Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to StripCamFun.com. On StripCamFun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires, and you can take advantage of the good times being had on StripCamFun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. StripCamFun, be sure to visit right now. It's StripCamFun.com where you can strip on camp and have some fun. Again, thanks to our great sponsors over at StripCamFun.com. Go check them out. Well, speaking of Charlotte, I had a chance to sit down with a man from Charlotte, from ESPN Charlotte, Justin Thomas. And we talked about the Hornets this offseason and what is expected to happen with them and what we can expect they do with life after Kimba. So, Tim, what do you say? Roll the tape. Well, joining us on the show now to uh, to talk about the Charlotte Hornets, a man that covers the Hornets for ESPN Charlotte. He's a sports journalist and reporter, Justin Thomas. Justin, thank you again for jumping on the show. Hey, I'm glad to be a part of this. I'm glad you guys reached out, so thank you again for the opportunity. And, you know, basketball season, I know a lot of the football fans are pretty excited, but basketball will be here in a couple of weeks, so I'm glad I could join you. Oh, I'm glad you're back. Glad to have you on here. It's your first time on this edition of Wide Men Can't Jump, so we're glad to have you on. And the Hornets are a team and a market, especially, that's really, really hard to get a lot of people to come on the show and talk. I don't know if you'd believe that or not, but it really is. Um, And I don't know why that is. They're really one of the toughest markets to try to find uh, somebody who's knowledgeable and knows and is willing to come on and talk. Uh, But let's go ahead and dive into the Hornets. Uh, a rough off season for the Hornets as they lose Kimball Walker. Then of course, you know, Tony Parker retired, Jeremy Lamb and Frank Kaminsky. Everyone's talking about Kimball leaving though. What kind of hole does that leave in this Hornets lineup? I t- yeah, I'll say this. This one thing I think will give a great representation of it. On my timeline, anything that Kimball Walker does, it always pops up. The one thing that, that people loved about about Kimba is Kimba was very low-key, a hard-working guy. And you had a split in the city. You had some that said, okay, I want to keep him. I want to pay him, with, but, you know, you don't want to pay him too much because he's an undersized guard. 
Then you had the people that said, hey, he's the, worth the price of admission. Like, if he's not on the roster, I'm not going to the games. And the Hornets fan base, it's niche. There aren't many, but if there was one thing that you knew is you knew you would get a show from Kimball Walker. You knew that at, at any given game, home or away, you knew you turned on your television to watch the Hornets. You knew you would get Kimball Walker. And now that the casual fan that, that liked the Hornets would casually go to the game, you don't get that now. That one thing that was worth watching is now gone. So if you're not a diehard Hornets fan in that niche community, you're nine times out of ten not watching the Hornets game, even if you're a Charlotte native. Yeah, losing Kimba hurts, especially for drawing in fans. I know I've been down, as we talked uh, a little bit earlier, I've been down. I've watched Kimba play a bunch. Um, when he plays my my Wolves team, he's always just, man, a thorn in my side. I'm watching. I've been down to Charlotte to watch the Wolves play so many times, and Kimba has beaten them almost every time I've been there. One time the Wolves have won in Charlotte since I started driving down and watching the games, but – and that's all because of Kimba Walker. But now, Terry Rozier, it's going to be his team to kind of command here this season. Rozier comes in. He played well in Boston, but he was kind of a bench guy in Boston. Is this his team now to t- kind of take over, and he's the big man in charge now? That's a, that's a good question because the Hornets, even their locker room dynamic, it's a really good locker room, a lot of veteran leadership with Marvin Williams kind of leading that way now that Kimba is gone. But almost certainly, you know, you signed him to a three-year deal, $58 million. You're saying, okay, Terry, we're going to give you a shot. And to be honest, I don't know if many really know what to expect. Um, we all know two years ago he had the big playoff run um, in that series against, what was that, against Milwaukee. Um, everybody was like, okay, Terry Rozier is going to be great. You know, Boston's going to go to the NBA Finals. They have XYZ. Just wait how they're going to look when Kyrie comes back. And – you didn't see that from Terry Rozier last year. So there was there were a lot of concern with that sign and trade because people are like, why are we giving Terry Rozier $58 million? Why can't we commit to to the the rebuild? You always have the people that you got to either be all in, you're trying to win, or you're just going to have to be back because that's really the only way you're going to rebuild in the NBA if you're not in a major market because people aren't signing up to come to Charlotte. There are people that are excited about Terry Rozier. He didn't have the greatest – last time we saw him, he did not have the greatest playoff run. So it didn't help that you lost, you know, the franchise best player, and then you get a guy in the last time you saw him, you're like, mm, you weren't too impressed. So I'm very excited. Um, I've, I've liked his game for a while, even though I haven't seen a ton of him with him being in Boston, but the national, television, um, national televised games I check out. And he was always – you always, you know, caught glimpses, but it was never really sustained. So now he's going to get the opportunity. He's always talked about, you know, wanting to have his own team and, you know, and being in command. So we're going to see if uh, Taylor Rozier is up for the challenge because it's definitely a big one. It is. It's a great big challenge. And another guy who kind of came in last year and really I didn't see – I didn't really get to watch a lot of Hornets games last year, but I did get to see Miles Bridges play some – how did Miles Bridges look coming into this Hornets team? It's safe to say he's probably going to start this year. Does, has Miles Bridges came far enough along for the Hornets yet, or does he still have some improvements that he has to make? That That's a great question because that's actually in my notes of going through this. I asked the question, is Miles Bridges 
ready to move Marvin Williams to the bench. And right now, after one season, not yet. Not yet. Um, he He's physically ready for it. Um, athletically, he can do a lot of things, guard multiple positions. We all see the highlights of the dunks and all the plays in transition. But there's a lot that goes into basketball. There there'll be a lot of times you can watch him and there's a slip in the coverage, and that's something that someone should know. And you're looking, you're like, oh man, somebody has picked a rook to school again. So the NBA is the NBA. It's it's not an easy. It, it takes some time. Um, and I and I've always wanted to caution people with that, but his time is actually going to have to be sped up because Marvin Williams is going into the last year of his deal. So if there's ever a time that you want to see something from Miles Bridges, you want to see it this year. And he has a really good relationship with Devontae Graham and Dwayne Bacon. So every time you see them on Snapchat or Instagram, they're always in the gym. So he has been living in the gym. Um, You're also going to need more live reps um, because the NBA is – people don't understand that the NBA is a man's game and not everybody just comes in and they're, okay, instantly a a 30-minute-a-night guy. I don't think he's there yet, but we're trying to see if he can get there because Marvin Williams is getting a little long in the tooth. Great veteran guy, but at this point, you would like to see Marvin turn into a a reserve guy rather than actually a starter because, you know, Marvin's played a lot of basketball. So this is going to be a very interesting offseason. Training camp is coming up. You know guys are always going to say the right thing. I've either changed my diet, I've watched a lot of film, um, I've reshaped my body. So we're going to hear all the nice cliches and the pleasantries of what everybody has done in the offseason. But I'd say by game, what? I'd say by, after the first month of the season, the first 20 games or so, we'll have a good gauge to see if this will be the year that Miles Bridges lets Marvin Williams ride off into the sunset. Yeah, and Marvin Williams, uh, he's played a lot of years down there in Charlotte. Uh, a solid player, solid role player. Never was really the big, uh, the big name that I think they wanted him coming out of North Carolina. Um, and that's that's a thing that I've noticed a lot, um, especially with Jordan at the helm, which Jordan did did uh, sell some of the shares of the team. But do you think maybe Michael Jordan drafts a little or tries to go with guys who played in the Carolinas maybe a little too much? That seems to be a thing I've seen. I know Marvin Williams was one. There was more, of course, you know, who for, who could forget maybe back in the Bobcat days. Sean May was another kind of bust. Uh, do you think maybe they keep it a little too close to home when they draft sometimes? I, I do think that was fair a number of years ago. When they had Rod Higgins and Rich Cho, those were the times you're like, okay, Mike, I, I need you to stop doing these things. Because, you know, every, nationally, Mike does not get a good rep of, of being an owner. Like, people are definitely not excited that he let Kimball walk. But um, I think that, that narrative will change over time because Mike is no longer – Oh God! How would I say this? Because now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, has Mike really let go? Because he's hired Mitch Kupchak, and we all know Mitch Kupchak is a North Carolina guy. Um, so you're thinking of that. I was gonna say, well, you know, Mike has let others do his job. Then I had to think to myself, like, yeah, as soon as he stops drafting the Carolina guys, he brings in a Carolina <laughs> guy to work for him. So, so before I started talking, I was like, oh man, I, I can't say that because I forgot. Miss Kupchak is a Carolina guy. Miss and Jordan have been friends for decades. 
So, you know, we can – I'll say only time will tell because right now I would still say that criticism is fair to a degree, but now that they have Mitch, we're going to see. We're going to see because you also have people that feel like Michael does not let people do their job because sometimes you will have those owners that will overrule the GM or the president and say, hey, or the coach, no, I want this guy, i.e. the Frank Kaminsky. Um, I don't think people have forgiven Jordan for that call either. So we're going to see. We're going to see if Mitch Tupchek can actually do his job and Jordan is not in the way of interrupting and making decisions. And we'll see if this franchise is able to put something together because in that same vein, you're thinking, okay, you're no longer signing Kimba. We're going to a rebuild. Then in the sign trade, you bring in Terry Rozier. So I would say time will tell on that. I would say time will tell. I don't want to be too critical of Mike because I know some people that might listen to this and they'll text me and say, Justin, really? You didn't, you didn't hammer Mike when you had the chance? So I'm going to take the high road right here <laughs> and say only time will tell, and we'll see what him and Mitch do down the road. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, Mike, uh, in my opinion, the greatest to ever play the game um, the from greatest. a basketball standpoint, but definitely not the best to own the game. So sorry, Michael. We oh, love no. you, but uh, – yeah, and maybe I'm looking at it as this is a guy who was so hands-on when he was a player, and he wants to be that way as an owner when he shouldn't be. I don't know. Maybe maybe Jordan just cares too much. Maybe that's all he's guilty hey, of. And it's hard, it's hard telling highly, highly, highly successful people they can't do something. When you've succeeded as much as he has, it, he's not listening. Because what are you going to say? No, Mike, you can't make that decision. I played for years. I'm arguably the greatest player of all time, even though I shouldn't say arguably because Michael is the greatest of all time. I've won six championships. I know basketball. So when he overrides it, you're like, I can't say no. And he cuts the checks. And then when it comes back and you look at it, two years later, like, oh, Mike, that was not a – that was not a good move. We could have deal without that. So there is a segment of the city that loves Michael Jordan, but there's also that small segment that can't stand him because of the way he has ran the Hornets. So – Mike, right now, he's he's on the clock. He's on the clock. People are, are wanting to see if he can do something better. And some people throwing in the towel and said, hey, he's great on the court. He's not good off of it. Kwame Brown, Michael, if you're listening, Kwame Brown. But let's change oh, He'll never live that down. Never. No, he won't. Let's change it up here a little bit. Nick Batum is a guy who had great success in Portland. But let's be honest, he got the big contracts, and he's almost vanished in Charlotte. This was a guy – who was one of the best foreign players in the league. But since he got that big contract in Charlotte, he really hasn't put up the numbers that they've expected. What's going on with Batum in Charlotte? Oh, man. Let's just say he is not a fan favorite. Uh, I will give Nick Nick Batum some credit in a sense that I do believe he played a great role in Kimball Walker becoming – who he is today because he allowed Kimba to he can worry about scoring and Batum could do the facilitating. But oh man, I, I don't think you know how how many tweets I get um, of people just tweeting expletives and their and what they can't stand about Nick Batum because there's nights where Nick Batum can come out and and give you eighteen, ten, and nine, and you're like, man, this guy this guy is great. And then there's times he goes out there and he'll take four shot attempts and not play any defense. Um, and he went, and Nick Batum had this one, this, this, an issue that drove people nuts last year. 
Whenever the Hornets were getting tight situations, Nick Batum would always do something. And you're sitting there like, well, there goes the game. I'll never, um, I'll never forget there was an exchange late when the Hornets were trying to make a playoff push. Jeremy Lamb is pushing the, is pushing the ball up the floor, trying to get it to Nick Batum. Nick, and Nick Batum's clearly not paying any attention. And then later in the possession, Lamb gets the ball to Batum. And Batum makes the air decision, and, and Jeremy Lamb just throws his hands up like, "What? What is going on?" Um, he he just disappears. I used to always say my dad was a hater. My dad would always say, "Justin, you know what the foreign guys they're soft. You know when they get their money, they're just they're just gonna go on vacation." And it's it's been wild because you know after the one that good year they have, they re-signed Marvin, they re-signed Nick Batum. That summer with the spike in the salary cap, the city of Charlotte was beat. Oh, my gosh. We're one of the top – you know, preseason, you're thinking this is a top six seed. They almost won a playoff series. Okay, this team is ready to win. They have a, they have a point guard. They have a veteran lineup. They have the perfect amount of veteran um, youth mixture. You're like, this is, this is going to be it. The Hornets have the ingredients. And if there's one guy, if there's one guy that Charlotte cannot – could not stand is Nick Batum. It, it's him. He's he's not a. There's just games where he, you just look like you look at him and he just packs it in. And then there'll be games where you come out and score 25 and you're like, wow, he was an he was an aggressor. He was getting people involved. He was playing great defense. And then you'll see him on a random Wednesday against the Orlando Magic and he looks like he like he doesn't even want to be there. And that's not that because Marvin could. You know, I think both when they signed him to, to um, have that expectation, Marvin was great too. Marvin had he's one of the few guys to have, oh gosh, it was like a X amount of threes and X amount of rebounds. He was one of five players in the league, and at that time, I think Paul George was in that list. Carmelo, like it was, he was in great company at that time. But see, the difference is, is though Marvin doesn't shoot the three like he used to, Marvin still brings other intangibles: great communicator, quality defender can knock down threes from time to time. Like, he still gives you something. But when you're watching Batum and you're frustrated, he's not giving you anything. He's not giving anything on the offensive end. He's not giving you anything on the defensive end. It's like he's going through the motions. So as though people are hoping to see Miles Bridges move Marvin to a reserve, people are ready to get rid of Batum. It's just people have had enough of his experiment. You don't really see much. Let's just say this. You don't see many Batum jerseys in the city of Charlotte. <laughs> you you don't see many people are pe- people are sick. Did you? Why is he still playing? Oh, why did we give him all that money? Because people, you know, people never have. You know, people are always the expert now. Rather, you know, when the time when they signed him, when they signed him, everybody loved him. Everybody. Oh man, Sean Sean's committing to winning right now. I love this roster. Three years later, they could run it if they could. If the city of Charlotte could put their money in and buy out his contract, they would. They they would get rid of Batum that fast if they could. <laughs> That's very true. So this, is, uh, this is a very important year. You're, we're gonna, you're, you're trying to see, okay, what is he going to do? There's no Kimba now, so you're like, okay, are we going to see something? Is he going to stay engaged? You know, because he wouldn't play well in the FIBA championships, but I'm pretty sure if he's packing it in the first two weeks, people are going to be like, wow, he can go play for his own country, but we pay him $25 million and he can't play for us. So, you know, he doesn't have the most fans, so we're going to see what Nick has. Because to be honest, I don't think I, I, could, I could tell you what to expect because 
he hasn't been consistent, and that's been the biggest issue. Yeah, I think I've uh, I think I've actually seen uh, more DeAndre Hunter Lakers jerseys than I have Nick Batum uh, Hornets jerseys. If that tells you anything, but anyway, uh, <laughs> let's look let's look at uh, let's look at a guy who for the Hornets, and I know a lot of people are doom and gloom on the Hornets this year, but there's there's some young talent here I really like Malik Monk. I'm a huge Malik Monk guy. I think the Hornets. Oh. We're lucky to get him when they did in the draft. Now, granted, he had some injury issues, but I think Malik Monk is poised this year to really step up and maybe not take a starting spot, but he should be, in my opinion, the sixth man of the year for the Hornets. Uh, He's got a great jump shot. Uh, He's athletic. He can do so many things. What are you looking for from Malik Monk this year for the Charlotte Hornets? You're looking for him to see if he can be consistent. Um, there would be times – because one thing I, I, I love that Steve Clifford said this two years ago. It was after a shoot-around. The horns weren't, you know, doing too hot, and everybody's clamoring, when, when are we going to get Malik Monk? Because Malik had been at the end of the bench for a couple of weeks. Steve Clifford said this. I think a lot of you guys think that when these young guys come into the league, they're just, they're just ready to go. That's not the case. This is a difficult game to play. He said, I want to play Malik Monk as much as y'all want to see him, but he's not ready for that right now. He said, when I can put him in the game or put Dwayne in the game, I'm trying to put them in situations where they can succeed. So you have young guys that come into the league, they get thrown into the fire, and you think, oh, man, that guy's averaging 16, 17 points. And then three, four years down the road, they're no good. He said, because when you get in and you're not in good situations, you can develop bad habits. I don't want to do that with those guys. I'm going to put them in situations where they can succeed, they can play well, and they can learn this game. Fast forward to right now. He's been a roller coaster. You can, you can see him. He'll have a game where he'll knock down four or five threes, and you're like, oh, this is the Malik Monk we're going to see. Or there's a time he's coming down on a fast break, and somebody throws him an alley. And you're like, oh, my gosh, there's another Malik Monk highlight. But – it's the it's not the you, you need a higher floor for Malik Monk. His his ceiling is high, but his his floor is also low, and you'd like to see his floor elevate. Can he get stronger? He's he's not a he's not he doesn't have a body that's really built for this game. Like now Kevin Durant, he's obviously an all time great. But if you're not an all time great and you're playing basketball that then it's very hard for you to, to really play well. You can have guys that, that can really get into your body nudge you into certain things that people really can't see, throw you off your path. And he needs to get stronger. I'll, I'll never forget, um, actually, I believe I was interviewing Jeremy Lamb when he first got here. And he was talking about how he is now where he was before. He's like, before, I wasn't strong enough. He's like, I could get in the game, and it was so hard for me to, to get the ball just because I wasn't strong enough. He's like, by the time I would get the ball, it's either late in the shot clock or I'm too tired to actually make a move. And what that, what that did for Jeremy Lamb is he had to get in the weight room. Jer- Steve Clifford always credited Jeremy Lamb for going into the weight room and getting bigger because that way he wasn't getting run off screens. He was tough. He can battle through things. He can go to the rim and use some strength. So I would love to see from a physical standpoint from a league month, because just from his body shape, I don't think he's going to be naturally a big guy, but can he get stronger? You don't necessarily have to be bulky, but you just need to at least – add strength, which is one thing he needs to do. And two, just really stay engaged. Um, there are times on defense. Now, he'll be engaged on offense. 
You can see him get the ball on offense. You can see him, you know, have a highlight dunk or make a play for others because you always see the flash plays. I think if you put together um, a highlight tape of what he's, what he's been in the NBA of just his highlights, you think he averaged 16, 17 a game. So you would like to see him engage on the defensive end, add some weight, and then see what he can do because you, you see the flashes. You know he can play. You know he can shoot. You know he can handle it. You know he can jump. Like, okay, can, what can you do on the defensive end? Because that was an issue for Charlotte, and that's been an issue for years in a sense. So they've been great team defenses, but they haven't had great individual guys. Steve Clifford would always say that, but Rago has talked about our individual defense needs to, um, needs to improve. And that's been a, a reason you don't see a lot of Malik Monk, because you got to bring it on both ends of the floor. So can he bring it on both ends of the floor night in, night out? We know what the ceiling can be, but can he raise his floor? And if he raises his floor, he can be a candidate of the sixth man of the year. It's your prediction. Well, speaking of guys who can bring it on both sides of the ball, well, at least on one side of the ball, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, a former number two overall pick, has some great defensive effort, probably going to be out a little while this year, I believe, with some injuries. But, man, oh, man. And I mean this with all due respect to Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Maybe the ugliest jump shot since Sean Marion. I don't know why he shoots it the way he does. The ball spins sideways. It's something else to see. Uh, if you've never seen it, go look it up. It's something else. Kid Gilchrist, to me, is in that category of Batum. What do you think of Kid Gilchrist? He's in the last year of his contract, and do you see him getting picked up more after this season? I really like Michael Kid Gilchrist, but you know how you would always have front offices try to sell you on potential? Well, at this stage in his career, MKG – he is what he is. He's a good defender. I wouldn't say he's a great defender. There's some nights he can give you 12, a lot of hustle plays. But he is what he is. And and I will give – and to be fair to him, he has tried absolutely everything. He's tried absolutely everything. He's worked with, I would say, Bruce, Bruce Kretzer, when he was here, he was, he was helping him with his jump shot. He went and saw a shooting doctor before last season to work on his jump shot. And last year – his form looked a lot better, um, and he and he's actually get, he's actually confident in it. And and I know it's as wild to say because you're gonna think, how could a how could a guy be confident, and there there aren't proven results with it? It's like how can you be confident in ability, but yet you don't show that skill night in and night out? But I asked him one time. Um, he came for a pull up, and and he looked comfortable. And he made it, and I asked him in the locker room. I'm like, you know, I, I didn't I don't really see those moves from you. Like you you don't really do that a lot, but. Like, you stepped into the jump shot with, with confidence. And he said, well, man, I, I've been working hard. And excuse my language, if if I'm open, I'm going to shoot that shit. I said, hey, I, I like the confidence. I like it. And and one of the issues for MKG is he can never stay healthy. He could, you'd be like, okay, Mike, Mike uh, he, had a, he had a great offseason. He was hurt the next offseason. Oh, he's playing games. He's hurt. Because you know they had the, they had the number out. When Michael Kidd Gilchrist was out of they had they had two good stats. Like when he played, how good Charlotte was when he wasn't how he played. They had another good one for Cody Zeller. Like when Cody Zeller plays, Charlotte is this good. When Zeller doesn't play, they're that good. Um, but now I saw a healthy dose of MKG last year, and unfortunately, he's a he's a quality defender. He's a slasher. 
Um, I, I mean, every year, you know, I've seen the videos of him working on his jump shot and saying all the right things. But, I mean, I don't know if we're going to see a drastic step. If if he was to make that drastic step, I wouldn't be shocked because of the amount of work that he puts in. But if he stayed exactly where he is, you know, maybe an eight-point, nine-point-per-game guy, I'd be like, okay, that's, that's just what he's going to be for his career. He's going to be a rotational guy, can come off the bench, you know, spell some of your, your quality defenders, can get to the cup, get you some layups from time to time, make great hustle plays, high motor, high effort. And sometimes, you know, that just has to be enough. And if it's not, you, you got to go separate ways. And he's in the last year of his deal, too. So not only does you want to see something from Mike, for if you're judging him on the Hornets standpoint, but also he wants to get a job somewhere else also. Like everybody, like it, the, the joke of his jump shot, that, that still exists. So I'm, I'm, I know he's well aware of that. So if Charlotte, and I don't, do I know if Charlotte, like right now with, excuse me, extend the qualifying offer? I, I don't know, depending on how the young guys look. If if you could get something from, from Monk and Bacon, P.J. Washington on down the line, then you're like, okay, we might be good with that. But you don't have one year for MKG. So we're going to see. Maybe, maybe there's an uptake. He proves everybody wrong, but I would say I think he's going to be just about the same. Well, let me ask you about um, Devontae Graham. You brought up P.J. Washington. Um, Devontae Graham's another young guy on this team, and P.J. Washington. Graham's probably going to be the backup for Rozier, if I'm not mistaken. But um, between Graham and Washington, those two guys, what do you think they'll do this season for the Hornets? Does Washington play outside of garbage time? And is Graham going to get significant minutes based on his performances recently for the Hornets? P.J., well, we can go ahead and get P.J. out of the way. P.J. is not going to see – the only way he sees a steady dose of action is if injured. Um, so he'll he'll be he'll be buried behind Miles Bridges and, and Marvin Williams. So you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about a lot of them this year. He will get some garbage time. Um, there, of course, somebody's always dinged up in the NBA, so he might you know have a, a stretch where he plays you know decent minutes a couple of games or two. But he's not going to be a guy that's asked to come in and have an impact. This would be a year for him to learn, play spot minutes when he gets the opportunity, continue to work on his body and work on his game. Devontae Graham, Devontae Graham is the backup point guard. I like Devontae Graham. I like Devontae Graham. He's, a, he's not a big guy, but he, he has grit. Like, there, there have been times where you, watch, you could watch him last year and say, you know what, this guy can be a quality backup. And you always – because there's, there's always a risk with the smaller guys because you, you don't know. Like, this is, is a physical game. And guards are getting bigger every single year. So, for the young guy, it has to be – if you're going to be undersized, Either your skill set is super high or you have to be a dog. I like Devontae's skill set. I don't think he's an overly skilled player or, or amazing guy, hence why he'll be a backup. But I, I love his motor. I think, man, he, he makes any plays decent. Like, I think the one thing that I think rubbed off on him is, is having Kimber Walker. Kimber was a guy that he wasn't one of the best defenders because, of course, he's limited in his size. But Kimber was also known for picking up the charge. You know, he was always willing to throw his body in there, get engaged, take that. And you will get that from Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham is tough. When I watched him in Kansas, you, you, could tell, you could tell he was confident. Like, he was making big shots. 
taking taking big shots, making them. I was always a Devontae Graham guy, and plus, you know, me being a smaller guy myself, I always root for the undersized guard. So Devontae Graham is a guy that I think people, you, you're going to miss Kimba, and you're, and you're not going to get all that production. But there will be guys, if you're the Hornets fan, there will be guys that you like and say, you know what, I know this team might not be that good, but there are a couple of guys I'll show up to watch. And Devontae Graham will be a guy that, hey, he's not really putting butts in the seat. When you see him out there, you'll be able to appreciate his effort. Last thing, and I'll let you go, and I appreciate you again giving us so much of your time uh, this evening to talk about the Hornets. Over under 23 wins for the Hornets, according to most sites, 23 to 23 and a half. Where do the Hornets finish in the offseason, and do they go over or under 23 wins? Let's just say last year, Charlotte could have lost a lot. Charlotte won 39 games last year. Let's just say they don't have Kimball Walker and they don't. That number is going to take a dip. They're a successful to be – how would I say this? With, I would say a successful season is 30 wins. I don't think they get 30 wins. I, I, I really don't, I just don't. They don't have the firepower for 30 wins. So – I think the goal should, the goal is I don't even look at the win total as a as a goal for these young guys. You're trying to see this as what am I going to get from Malik Monk? Is Dwayne Bacon going to be a guy? Dwayne Bacon has been a fan favorite this offseason, so a lot of people are really wanting to see. Okay, he came all late in the season. He has the size. What are we going to get from him? Devontae Graham is Devontae Graham going to be a serviceable backup? Terry Rozier. We, you've committed three years, $15 million. Is he a franchise point guard? Miles Bridges, we know you can jump out the gym. Are you going to be able to pro- provide more than just highlights? Willie Herman Gomez, we know you can play offense. Can you give us something defensively? So like there, there are a number of questions. So even if the team is bad, I still don't know if that's the forecast of the season because you're not expected to compete. And you don't have Kimball Walker anymore. Nobody's even expecting this team to to be worth anything. Like they win thirty wins, that is they get thirty games, that is a, a huge success. But I think your your um your questions are better you're you're trying to answer your questions of the young guys. Are the young do the young guys show okay this is something to do or do we need to continue to work on this rebuild? So it'll be ugly. There there won't be a lot of wins, there won't. But you're gonna see a lot of the young guys and you're gonna see. If these guys are going to be something that you can keep going forward, if not, you know, because next year, because you get guys that come off the books. Marvin comes off the books. Bismack comes off the books. I'm missing one more. Bismack, Marvin, and MKG. Those three come off the books. So all the talk about being, you know, hamstrung by Nick Batum's contract, Nick will be going in the last two years of his deal, but you'll have some money. So you'll know, okay, hey, what do we have? James Borrego, this is his second year coaching. Okay. Can you coach these young guys up? Is there progression? Do they look better from game one? How do they look at game 82? So I, I, think, this can, I think this can be a fun year because I, I would chalk this up to player development. That's how I would view this year. I would say this is player development because you're not competing for, for a playoff. So player development, do your guys go from step A to step B? Are they, are they going forward? Are they trending forward? So this would be a, this would be a great year for, for growth and, and seeing what the young guys have. There would be a lot of Malik Monk. And be a lot of Dwayne Bacon and be a lot of Miles Bridges. What do these young guys get you? So player development, growth, progression, James Borrego in his second season, 
It can be it can be a fun year, but don't expect for it to that fun year equate to wins up wins. Yeah. So I'll go with that, that and uh maybe winning in the lottery. That might be the long term uh look at it. You but. know, to, I would to be honest with you, I would say this would be great. You see Dwayne Bacon take a step forward. You see Malik Monk show I can be the sixth man. You see Miles you see Miles Bridges say, Hey, I can't replace Marvin Williams. And if you get a top ten pick, you're picking top eight in the draft. That's a good year. That's a very good year because that puts you in a place to okay, I can get a high end college talent in the draft. But you know Charlotte's drafting luck is they're always eleven through fourteen. They really are. And you know, almost every year they're always yeah they're always eleven through fourteen, and the true difference makers are usually one through eight. Every now and then you get a guy fourteen or below that you know, that turns into a first-year player. And you're like, wow, I, I didn't expect that guy at 18 to come in and be a contributor. But those are outliers. Like the Malcolm Brogdon don't happen every single year. That, that, that doesn't happen every year. So you're looking, so if your young guys can get better and prove that they can be a core to a degree and get you a top eight, top ten pick, that's a successful year for the Charlotte Hornets. All right. Well, Justin, thank you again so much for jumping on and talking with us on Why Men Can't Jump about the Charlotte Hornets. And uh, once you let our listeners know where they can find you and keep up with you if they're Charlotte fans out there. I know we get a lot of listeners in North Carolina. So uh, let people know where they can keep up with you. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Justin Thomas NBA. I, I love being on Twitter and, you know, and talking and engaging with fans. Um, so, hey, if you, you ever, you know, have questions or, you know, you need me to ask players certain things, as the – as a journalist, I work for the fans. So whatever the fans would like to hear or would like to know any of those things, I'll be glad to answer those. And if I can't answer them, I'll get the answers from the players and the coaches myself. So thank you for having me on. And I'm on Twitter at Justin Thomas NBA. I appreciate it, man. And we'll be in touch this season and uh, hopefully we'll chat some. And if I'm down in Charlotte, I'll give you a holler and maybe we'll grab a beer at the game. Oh yeah. That, that'd be great. Cause I like like filling in and you know and, and doing these types of things because a lot of people like if you're not getting Rick Bennell, mm-hmm. um, like my guys Walker and Nada do uh, the locked on. So mm-hmm. You have the locked on one. They have theirs. You have Spencer Percy that does. Oh gosh, but what is it? Block talk. What? But, oh man. Well, Spencer Percy has a. They do podcasts. They're out of Virginia too, and that's it. So like if if you don't like if nobody's reaching out to Rick Bennell or nobody reaches out to the guys that locked on and nobody reaches out to Spencer or nobody reaches out to me that that's kind of it. So you have like five or six options. Well, we're glad we got you as an option, my man, and we appreciate your time. And we will talk to you later in the season. Hey, I look forward to it. Thank you again for the opportunity. Anytime. Thank you. Excellent. And that was my interview with Justin Thomas talking about the Charlotte Hornets. Tim, you still with me? I'm here, big man. Well, you're still with me. Just like the good people at Stay Classy Meats are with me. And man, oh man, what a box they delivered last week to my house. Oh my goodness, so much awesome content. I posted an unboxing video, Stay Classy Meats. It's about eight minutes long. It took me a long time to get all that 
crap out of there. Well, not crap, but great quality meat. And I'm telling you, man, it was just there was so much just hot dog wieners and Them, chicken uh, and bacon and steaks and those, uh, hamburger those and bison. That, uh, those guys that stay classy meats, I think it's played Tetris the way they packed that box. Uh, you're too, they've had to. They're probably like grand champions of Tetris. <laughs> oh, what a reference <laughs> that was. Yeah, really. But head on over to stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code WIDEMEN. Save 10% on your order and get a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. You really can't beat that deal with Stay Classy Meats. They deliver it straight to your house, straight to your door. You don't have to go fight the lines at the grocery store. You don't have to deal with picking through the meat and looking at it, examining it. You know you're going to get quality when it comes from Stay Classy Meats, and it's not frozen. It's top quality, top of the line, and it's going to save you some money. You get 30 pounds in the Elite box, and they have one price on there for that. Or you can just pick and choose what you want. I'm excited for some honey bacon. They have that in those boxes. They sent me two pounds of honey bacon, and I'm excited to try that. Bacon. Uh, Bacon's good with everything, but check them out. Stay Classy Meats. Let's hear a little more from them. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right. If you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection, whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire. You can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meats that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality products out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. Stayclassymeats.com. Go check them out at Stay Classy Meats. Fantastic quality. Well, Tim, another tidbit of information came through recently. Somebody at ESPN, um, <laughs> somebody, you know who Got he is. He's jack. actually a uh, jack, gummy. gummy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this guy reported, ladies and gentlemen, that, uh, LaMelo Ball is a top three player in the incoming NBA draft. You must have lost like the, the office bet for the week or something. And that was his payback was he had to go out and make a serious uh, article or story out of that because I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not I don't about, know. I'm not about to bury LaMelo because I don't know. But we do know, like I said, we've talked about this a smidgen bit off the air. He's played, uh, I believe, two games in an exhibition series in Australia. And this guy, like if you watch the video, he even says, well, he played against the the, the best uh, defender in the Australian league. Well, okay, but – and he made <laughs> – Yeah, I mean, okay, what what is that? I'm like, I, I'm no offense to the Australian Basketball League, but – it's not the NBA, and it's two exhibition games. Talk to me when he's, uh, I don't know, averaging 40 a night for the entire season. Then we'll talk. But until then, 
And then I still want to see him play against some competition. He's never, I mean, in high school, he never played against teams that were for the short time he was there. Anyway, he never played mm-hmm. against players as good as him because they were on a stacked team in that school. Then he mm-hmm. played off to Lithuania. Well, okay, well, that's no, I mean, and they didn't even really do very good over there, to be honest. I mean, okay, yeah, sure. He put up 60 points in the big baller brand game once against a bunch of <laughs> kids who were three and a half feet tall. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like I, like I said, you know, I'm not saying the kid maybe doesn't have some skills because he, he, he maybe does. But well, I haven't, we haven't seen anything. I mean, if they're going to proclaim him, I believe they got him at number three and a possible number one. Yeah, it's crazy. Like what? Somebody, Lavari, <laughs> Le- Le- write them a check or something? Somebody what? wrote somebody a check, but I mean, first off, uh, if probably wasn't Lavar. If Lavar wrote it, it's going to bounce. So yeah, <laughs> bounce like uh, the ball back up to Lonzo. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't agree with the Lamelo thing. A uh, little, little crazy. I think it was a guy trying to make a name for himself and. Uh, that's a big gamble on your career right there, proclaiming that. So we'll see. Maybe hey, well, he could be right. I mean, maybe he is a top talent. I don't know, but, but I don't. I don't see it. As we said, we've seen we have we know nothing of the high school recruits for this year. We know nothing of the NCAA. I mean, the season hasn't started. We have no idea. Somebody always comes out of nowhere, regardless. I mean, maybe it will be Lamelo, but it's uh, just a tad bit premature. A tad bit Tom Robinson, yeah. as we say here. I don't want to catch up. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, but anyway, speaking of maybe a tad bit premature, a lot of people are counting the Warriors out this season because of the injury to Clay Thompson and the loss of Kevin Durant. Livingston's gone. Iguodala's gone. But maybe that's a bit premature. And I'll tell you oh, who yeah. I got to sit down and talk to. I talked to Lance Smith. From the Point Center and Scorebook Live, what was you going to say, Tim? I was going to say that uh, Clay Thompson's been talking shit about the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, yeah. That if he had that if he hadn't have been hurt, he they they never would have won. Well, he was, and they uh, did. So should have, would have, could have, Clay. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. If the Bulls and if Michael Jordan wouldn't have went and played baseball, the Houston Rockets wouldn't have a title. So could have, would have, should have. Doesn't yeah. really matter. I was a little but, bit uh, worried also that you said that was going to be Lance Armstrong, and I was a little nervous. No, no, no living strong. There's only one man on this show without a testicle, uh, and that's Tom Robinson. So oh, well, what we're going to do. Disclo- full disclosure. Full disclosure. But we're going to go now to our talk with Lance Smith, talking about the Golden State Warriors, and let's hear what Lance had to say. Back on the show is a reporter in L.A. covering the Golden State Warriors for SB Live California. It's Scorebook Live California. Our man, Lance Smith. Lance, welcome back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Good to be here, as always. Well, it's good to have you back on and talking about the Golden State Warriors. They fell short in the finals this year against the Raptors. Of course, the injury bug had a lot to do with that. Uh, for the Warriors, and I know a lot of people penciled them in as the champions last year, and there's been a lot of speculation on what they're going to look like this season. Let's go ahead and start in the offseason with the Warriors. The big offseason contract get 
D'Angelo Russell. He's a guy coming in. Durant is leaving. Russell is in. Maybe not the trade-off they would have wanted, but what does Russell bring to this Golden State lineup now, especially with the injury of, to Clay Thompson in the finals last year? Oh, man. I mean, in the short term, he's gonna he's he's definitely going to replace a lot of what Clay does. Obviously, he's not uh, as good off the ball. Um, I mean, D'Lo's an amazing shooter, but, you know, there's only a, a few people to ever walk this earth who are as good at shooting as Clay. Um, but but he brings more shot creation than Clay. I mean, seven assists per game last year, uh, and he wasn't even particularly ball dominant. Um, so he's, he's going to slot in at the two. And then he's probably going to get pretty much all the backup minutes uh, when Steph is out. So I think they're going to both uh, try to have a good two-man game and then also uh, also stagger their minutes because this Warriors team really doesn't have any backup point guard. Um, I mean, they're talking about running Jacob Evans at the backup point guard. And Jacob Evans, he's he just had his rookie year. He barely played in the NBA, and he's a wing. He's a small forward by trade who's, who's a good defender but doesn't have the ball skills to even be uh, a wing at the NBA, or at least hasn't been yet. I don't know how, how far he's really going to go next year as a backup point guard. I, I think we're mostly going to see, uh, I think we're mostly going to see D'Lo playing backup point. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's also our starting shooting guard and uh, I don't think that's going to change when Clay comes back. I mean, Clay, Clay defends small forwards just fine. He has the size. I mean, he's six, seven, two, two, ten, two, fifteen of nice lean muscle. Uh, so he has the mobility and the strength to uh, to move up and guard threes uh, all the time, which he kind of already does a lot. Um, so I, I think D'Lo is going to fit a lot people a lot better than people think. And obviously, uh, a backcourt of Steph Curry and D'Lo is really not uh, defensively particularly promising. Although I don't think it's it's going to be catastrophic if if they both and really if D if D'Angelo Russell buys in and brings the effort on that side when he needs to. But I, I think I think he should fit fine. I mean, he, he can he can play multiple positions. He can play on the ball. He can play off the ball. He can he has a high basketball IQ. He's a passer. He's a shooter. And uh, and when you need him to create, he can create. So I, I think offensively there's a great chance that uh, he's quickly going to look like the third splash bro uh, for now and the future. Well, let me ask this. When do we expect to see Clay Thompson back for Golden State? Are we looking at before the All-Star break, after the All-Star break? What do we? When should we expect him to return? Um, probably not before the All-Star break. Uh, there are the reports that we've been hearing uh, just on Twitter and whatnot, ESPN, um, is that there's a chance uh, that he'll be back by maybe end of February or March. Um, I, I would say that's definitely possible. And that's what they said right after he had surgery, that they're expecting like a pretty good recovery. And that as far as, as legit ACL tears go, uh, his could have been worse. Um, so I, I think they're expecting pretty much a full recovery, hoping for uh, maybe after the all-star break March or even, or even right at the end of the regular season. Um, I, I, it's, it's of course the playoffs that counts the most. Uh, assuming they get in without him, which they they should, um, even though some people are writing them off. Uh, but I think if anyone's going to be able to to sit out a whole season and then be ready to go on a potential championship run or something close to it, it's Clay Thompson. 
Um, so I don't think they're going to rush him back. Uh, I think the only situation in which they rush him back is things are things are going off the rails. Uh, they're struggling to stay in the playoff race, and uh, there's some kind of chemistry issue, um, in which case maybe they would make what would still probably be an unwise decision to wait until uh, whatever the the deadline would be for being particularly conservative, um, because that's really what they should do, um, especially now because D'Angelo Russell extends their window of contention, which means this year they don't have to be quite as desperate as they would be if they didn't have a 23-year-old or whatever it is all-star on the team. Um, but February earliest, uh, March or April realistically, and there's a small chance uh, he doesn't he doesn't play at all next season, but. Uh, I, I, I would bet that he does. Huge turnover in people leaving the Warriors in the off season. Here's a list of some of the names that left, and uh, I may even be missing some, but here's a list. Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, DeMarcus Cousins, Jordan Bell, Quinn Cook, Jonas Jerkabo, Andrew Bogut, Sean Livingston, Damon Jones, all left the Warriors last year. This is going to be almost a basically new team outside of uh, about four players. Yep. Does that affect Does that affect the Warriors? Do they come back, you know, just the same old Warriors, or are there, is there going to be a big learning curve with all these new guys coming in and a lot of the veterans gone? Yeah, no, that's it. It's 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 both the turn. It, you hit it on the head. There's both the sheer amount of turnover and then the the age turnover, uh, which is both a blessing and a curse, or a blessing and a curse. A blessing in that. Uh, their their window of contention is higher and their upside going forward is higher now, even though their few best players uh, are all are all you know getting up there in age, uh, Steph Clay and Dre. But um, no, they, I, I think they're going to struggle. Um, I don't think they're going to struggle to make the playoffs, even though the West you never really know at the West uh, where you can win 50 games and 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 still not even be secure. Um, but I, I, there's going to be a curve. Uh, they're not deep. Um, they, they weren't that deep last year, except for when they were fully healthy, and they're not that deep this year. Um, I mean, they're, they're less deep. I think losing Sean and Andre Iguodala, what those two have brought, not just consistently on the court, but just as sort of cornerstone people on the Warriors throughout this entire championship, uh, well, dynasty, um, it, it's going to be tough. They're going to have to change their style of play a little bit, uh, I, not their identity, um, I, I don't, I don't quite have a pinpoint for it, um, but they have, they, they kind of have a weird, a weird construction now, especially their second unit. I mean, you're looking at a second unit of probably D'Lo and or Steph uh, leading the charge. Um, it, Willie Cauley Stein is going to start at center most likely, which means Kayvon Looney is going to get uh, pretty heavy bench minutes and probably close the games. Um, and then after that, it's just wild cards. Uh, Glenn Robinson, Jordan Poole, Eric Pascal, however you say that, uh, Smilagich, or whatever it is. I, I still don't know, but I know I, know I like him, <laughs> although I'm not. I'm not I, I definitely like him. I, I'm not convinced he's going to be good this year, uh, but, but the talent is clear, and uh, I think he has a little upside as well. Um, I can't remember if I already said Omari Spellman. Uh, similar thing. He's young. He's raw. He's, he's not in NBA shape yet. Um, but he has some good tools and some good skills uh, to kind of be a, a three and D uh, power forward center. Um, so I, I mean, I like, I generally like where they're going. 
Um, I mean, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a chance that uh, maybe their core comes into the playoffs hot and, and their, their depth, even if they're all healthy, just drops the ball. Um, I mean, this is not a finished product. This is, this is definitely, they're working on a, they're working on a plan right now that does not emphasize this year being of the most, up, the, the utmost importance, I think, uh, especially with clay, you know, you, you don't want to put too much pressure on him in coming back. Um, but I think, you know, if things work out with Delo, great. If things don't work out with Delo, we all know that, uh, there's, there's a great chance that, um, that they got him knowing that they might trade him. Uh, not as much as some people have said, where people have been like, oh, you know, he's, he's just a, a stopgap and, and a trade chip for February. I, I think that's, that's kind of ridiculous uh, because of the potential that he brings to really um, make this team compete for championships for years to come. Um, but, no, I mean, there, it's kind of a youth movement. Youth movement. It, it's a weird anomaly. You have this, this somewhat aging core of Hall of Fame vets then you have a couple journeymen, and then you have a bunch of question mark young guys. Um, so it's it's a youth movement. There's going to be growing pains, and uh, frankly, my expectations for this season aren't crazy high. Um, but but they've given they've given Warriors fans to believe that we're at least in the hunt for a title for years to come, and uh, that's that's the most you can ask for. You know, you mentioned the the trade chip of D'Angelo Russell. I hadn't thought about really talking about that yet, but as as a Minnesota fan, I am. I'm a Minnesota fan. Um, we we were all very very much wanting D'Angelo Russell in Wolves gear. Yeah. Um, there's still interest there. I know if if it's starting to look bleak for the Warriors and they're starting to look like they might want to blow it up, you got to think Minnesota's going to throw their um, they're going to throw their hat in the ring and try to make a move for Russell. Now it'll probably cost, you know, Robert Covington uh, and others in there as well. Um, it should be interesting to see, but what do you think would be the catalyst for trading Russell? Would it be, it's just not working. Uh, maybe an attitude issue. Maybe he doesn't get along with, you know, Draymond green or Steph Curry or somebody. What, what would make <laughs> them want to move? I mean, you know, hey, look, he snitched on Nick Young. We all remember that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what no, do you think would be the, the, the straw that makes them move him? Yeah, you know, I started laughing because you brought up like, oh, could it be a, uh, like a not getting along with the guy attitude chemistry thing? And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, he's matured a little bit. Like, it's the Warriors. And then you reminded me, oh, shit, we have Draymond Green. <laughs> so, you never know. Cause he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, it's true. He's a wild card. He's a wild card and a loose cannon, so who the heck knows? Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, one thing that one thing that people tend to forget about teams with this pedigree is that once you get to a certain point, you're not just aiming to always have the best team you can. You are aiming for more championships. Uh, I, look at, I look at the Spurs, um, of the post-2007 Spurs, where they would, they were still in that window. Uh, they were always kind of there, but some years they they would gear up and they say this isn't quite the exact group. Uh, and now we might, you know, retool a little bit. Might take a couple years, but these dudes, you know, the big three and then some, they're going to be balling until they're in their 30s, which they did. 
Uh, and all we, what we really want is more championships, not just always, you know, being as good as we can. So I, I think what they're looking for is upside. I think it's going to be, you know, it's, I, I think it's going to be, if, if they're going to move Russell, it's not necessarily because they're struggling that year and, and they're thinking about what's going to get them to the playoffs or, or, or you know, uh, not, not having time to fit him in. I think if they look at how they are with D'Angelo Russell, especially with Clay coming back, uh, I think if they look at where they're at and they say um, that we they, they can't see them getting to that championship point within a couple years, uh, I, I think they move him. And I think even if even if they're on pace for 55 wins, but they really don't think that uh, getting to the finals is realistic, even if they look real nice, I think they might go ahead and trade him and surprise some people. I think I think that's a that's a very plausible scenario that a lot of people aren't really thinking of. Is um, this Warriors team could it could work with him, and they could just say, well, we we want to take a chance at something even better. Um, and again, youth is key, you know. So, so his leash, their leash with him, is going to be a little longer because if he just keeps developing and he does fit their system as well as they might hope, uh, the, the the sky really is the limit a little bit more than people think. Uh, a lot of people forget that, you know, he's not just a, a low tier all star now. He's a low tier all star who's just scratching the surface of his potential and is what twenty two, twenty three. So. I, I think it's a bit, I think upside is the key word here, and uh, I, I think if they're like, well, we're not that good this year, but but we like where we're going to be with D'Angelo in a year or two. Uh, I think they keep him even if if there's major growing pains, um, and uh, I think that's what's going to determine it is just um, really putting a chance at titles above anything else. Uh, whereas you know some teams they say, well, we're just happy to you know to solidify a future where we make it two or three rounds into the playoffs every year for a few years. So I think upside is the key. You mentioned Willie Cauley-Stein and Kevon Looney. Uh, personally, I think this is going to be the year for Looney to really step up and yeah. I'm assuming show. I think he's going to show that he is uh, just a great player for the Warriors. Now, I don't think he'll be an all-star or anything, but I think we'll see some vast improvements because he's going to get more time. Willie Cauley-Stein, good rim protector, good rebounder, not sold on him as an offensive threat. Um, I just don't know if he fits the Golden State style for me. I think Looney fits more and has more experience in it. Uh, do you see Kevon Looney contributing a lot more than Willie Cauley-Stein does? Absolutely, 100%. Um, I mean, you know, uh, I think I think we all know that I'm – I'm, I'm a Kayvon Looney guy. Uh, I think my that's if 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 I have no other reputation in the basketball world, I, I think my reputation is for uh, unreasonably uh, loving Kayvon Looney. Um, but no, I so I, I my face lit up when you said that. Uh, no, I think so too. I think he's going to step up. I think he's been stepping up to some extent, and people just aren't seeing it yet. I mean, he just signed. He just signed. A joke of a contract, three years, fifteen million for what he provides. I mean, that's that. A few years from now, we could be looking at one of the best non-rookie scale value contracts of all time. If if you know if if he just keeps going and he gets to the point where even off the bench he's going for close to thirty minutes a game. Like 
You know, he could be something in the realm of 13, 14 points, eight or nine rebounds, and and uh, top 20, top 20, 30-ish defender in the world, um, and, and just is is a glue guy. Has his intangibles are off the charts uh, in so many different ways. His basketball IQ and 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 his understanding of what do I need to do when I get inserted into this game to to make Steph and Clay and Dre better. Uh, what what is it that they need right now? Uh, like if if what they need is a guy who's gonna set a bunch of screens and roll to the rim and collapse defenses, he's good for it. Uh, and he has the basketball IQ to say, well, I might not even be taking three shots in this game, uh, but but the, the team's a lot better when I'm on the floor, not just defensively but offensively, uh, because I know how to I know how to to move uh, and play off these guys. And then there's also games where he plays 20 minutes and has 14 points on six of seven shooting with five of them being dunks. Uh, and additionally, his touch around the rim is underrated too. So, um, no, I, I think you hit it on the head. Uh, I, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, he's going to be the starter. Um, he is a good pick-and-roll guy, although he's incredibly limited outside of being directly spoon-fed uh, chances at the rim. Uh, he can rebound. When he is engaged, he's certainly capable of protecting the rim. Uh, but his effort defensively really bottomed out last season. And uh, there were grumblings that while they were trying to keep it quiet, the, the Kings organization was extremely unhappy with him. And I think some of those rumors are why his, for a guy who averaged like 12 and eight or something like that last year, he got a, a one year minimum contract. So this is kind of his chance to prove himself. I mean, we see an athletic seven footer long um, and, and when he's committed to defense, especially protecting the rim, he's quite capable of doing it. Uh, so it's, I think if anyone's going to get that out of him, it's the Warriors. I think it's the time of his career where he's saying, oh, shit, suddenly no one cares about my upside anymore. Uh, if I'm not going to be a little bit more, um, I guess, just like aware and committed to making winning plays, not just like making plays. Uh, but I, I think, I think him and Looney are, are pretty nice because uh, sometimes you just want a legit seven-footer uh, who's just going to, you know, like like the Warriors were so good starting with uh, Damian Jones last season, the first couple months of the year. They were playing their best ball of the year. Damian Jones is so limited, uh, but he's essentially a seven-footer who's athletic, can bang with the big boys, and uh, just plays off everyone. Um, and can every, every once in a while just slam on someone or rack up 10 rebounds in 12 minutes. I, I think Kayvon Looney's going to be – or, sorry, I think – Willie Cauley-Stein is that guy, and then when the game is on the line or when they need to play with a little bit more finesse uh, or go, go more matchup-oriented, um, Kayvon Looney is just a Swiss knife. And also be ready to see more jump shots from him this year. Uh, in, in, in limited sample size, really throughout most of his career, but especially the last season, season and a half, uh, he's, he's money, um, especially from mid-range, like insanely efficient from mid-range, uh, when when he actually takes them, and uh, I, I think he's starting to see um, that if he is playing alongside Draymond, who's not the who who can shoot but isn't a floor spacer on a consistent basis, if Kayvon Looney can just space the floor out to 16 plus feet, even if it's not three point land, oh my God, that makes a huge difference. Um, so 
No, I, I think it's exactly right what you said, uh, that we're going to see a lot of Willie Cauley-Stein, but we're, we're uh, Kayvon Looney, even if he's coming off the bench, he's going to be the real impact maker uh, or impact player, difference maker uh, at the center position. Willie Cauley-Stein kind of looks like he needs a bath to me. Like, <laughs> as bad like as I a bath? <laughs> no, like a bath. Like he needs a shower. Does Willie Collie Stein? I don't understand why. I just look at him. I'm like, dude, take a take a shower, man. I don't know, but he's still a hell of an athlete. I can't deny that. I just see him, and I'm just like, yeah, he needs sprayed off. But uh, speaking of athletes that that spray off, Draymond Green sprays off his mouth a lot. Um, he finally gets the the contract extension. I'm not a Draymond Green fan. I don't like his attitude. I also think he's overrated. I've been very vocal about that here on the show. Do you think the Warriors <laughs> did the right thing giving Draymond Green the $100 million extension? Great question. Um, I, you know, I, at, the very, at the very least, I think it's pushing it. Um, I, I don't think there's any chance that he's going to exceed that value. I think it could be something in two or three years that's holding them back, uh, holding, holding the team back. Because uh, frankly, I'm you know his game is not not set to age particularly well, and uh, he he's getting up there. I think he's what 29, but we're already starting to see him go months at a time without looking like the Draymond we were used to seeing just a couple years ago. Obviously, everyone knows that his jumper is very uh, streaky at best, um, and, and when it's not on, uh, teams really load up on him and uh, let him kind of roam around the perimeter and say, you know what, if you're going to go one for four, we're going to live with that. And even if you go two for five, we're probably going to live with that. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, but I will say this. I, I don't think even a lot of Warriors fans and, and staff, for that, for that matter, expected him to go on the rampage he did in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, he was he was playing at a legitimate superstar level in the playoffs uh, with his, you know, 15, 20-point triple-doubles and or near triple-doubles. And then, you know, when he wants to be, he's still a top-five defender in the game uh, who fits what the Warriors need so perfectly. So, um, you know, I, I, I'd say it's a little bit of an overpay based on where I project him to be not this year, maybe not even next year, but in the year or two after that. Uh, but I will say that unless they were ready to blow things up and move him or something in, in a way that keeps, keeps their talent level up uh, and, and keeps their on-paper chemistry up, but, uh, but you know, doesn't mean committing $100 million to someone with all the issues he has, uh, I would have been open to it. Um, but it didn't seem like that type of opportunity prevent, prevent, uh, presented itself. And um, I, I feel like the, in the position they were at, they kind of had to go for it because it's like, what else are you going to do at that point? Like, you can't, you can't let them walk. They're hard cap. They, they, you know, they, can't, they can't say, well, we'll, we'll sign someone else. Um, it's, it's, even if he leaves or left, uh, they still practically – um, would only be able to replace him with a uh, with a minimum or near minimum contract. So that's a big reason I think that even though it's probably an overpay, it's still a inadvisable one. 
let me ask this. Steph Curry, if he's able to keep the Warriors in position to make, let's just say, a top four seed, um, depending on what it – like, I'm assuming with Clay not coming back till late, if the Warriors are a top four seed in this ridiculous Western Conference, Steph Curry MVP? Possibly. Possibly. Um, very possibly. I mean, if they if they win 50 games or more than that, uh, you know, I, I think – I think 52, 53 should be enough, even though there's going to be a few teams in the, in the West that uh, win well, well above 50 games. Uh, the, the thing that worries me is that the whole double and triple teaming thing that we've seen for years, both on and off the ball, it's only going to get worse. It's going to be worse this season. And D'Angelo Russell has, has a chance to uh, make sure that doesn't become a problem. Um, but but teams are going to dare Steph with Clay out and KD gone and and, and the the role players mostly gone, especially the consistent offensive ones. Teams are going to dare are are going to take their chances eliminating Steph and daring anyone else to beat them even more than we have ever seen before, and that says something. Um, so that's my concern. Uh, if it's just kind of business as usual where. You know he's getting insane amounts of defensive attention, but 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 at levels he's used to. Um, I, I think Steph for MVP is is plausible. Uh, I think top three is extremely plausible. Top five extremely plausible. Um, the, it, it would take it would take a lot uh, for for him to be able to put up the numbers he would need to on a four or five seed. Uh, because at that point, you know, it's still going to say, well, hey, the Lakers might win 60 with LeBron, Clippers might win 60 with Kawhi, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I think it's it's hard for me to, you know, if he averages 33 and seven, oh, and the Warriors win 50 games, hell yeah, like that's that's some MVP shit. But are teams really going to let him do that, even if sometimes it costs them games on? on D'Angelo going for 35 and Draymond going for a 20-point triple-double, teams might rather bite that bullet uh, with, with Clay out. So I don't know, man, but uh, I wouldn't rule it out. Last question, and I'll let you go after this. I'm looking here at the over-under for NBA total wins. According to this, we've got the Warriors at – either 47 and a half or 48 and a half, depending on where you're looking at, where do they finish? Where do they finish seating wise in your opinion? And do they go over or under that win total? What do you think realistically? I I think that's, I I think they nailed it uh, as far as, as marking the uh, over under spot. Um, I I think that's right on the money. I think they're going to finish right around there. And, uh, and if, if I if I had an opinion on this, I would give it. Um, if I had an opinion on on uh, if it were over under, I would not be afraid to go out on a limb. Um, but I really don't because uh, health. I, I, I've had some times where I, I go out on a limb for a team that has had some health concerns, and uh, just the same old shit kind of comes back to bite me. Like I remember a couple of years ago with Memphis, uh, I put out some article saying. Uh, Memphis is the safest bet to I think their over-under was 38, uh, and they had won 45 games or more every year for five years. And then that year, Mark Gasol gets injured, Conley gets injured, 
same old dudes who were used to like seeing this sometime and that's it. They win 30 games. Um, so with the Warriors, you know, they can win 50 plus, but they have to stay almost not quite perfect health wise, but damn close to it, especially Steph uh, and Draymond, you know, he's, he's, he's usually a safe bet to miss a little bit of time these days and have some games where he, he only has gas for 20 or 25 minutes. Uh, so if I were forced to choose one, I, w- I, I think the safe bet would be to go under um, if you're factoring in injuries. If you're only factoring in what this squad is capable of, then uh, holy crap, I have absolutely no idea because they could win 45 games and miss the playoffs if Clay doesn't come back. They could win 55 games even if he doesn't come back till the end of the season. So. Uh, this this is the most this is the most of a wild card the Golden State Warriors have ever been since they reached the point where they're they're at least something of a of a championship threat and uh, it's exciting like even as a Warriors fan like that's exciting and and as a Warriors fan who's who's a fan of the well being of the NBA I'm not gonna lie it's good for the NBA uh, th- this is good for the NBA to say the Warriors have a chance to win a title but they are not. Uh, overwhelming favorites by any stretch. Uh, I, I love to see it. Um, it's going to be a new element as a Warriors fan, but more than anything else, I think that's going to be great for the NBA, whether they uh, exceed expectations and make a run for it all, or whether they miss the playoffs and then have to reevaluate what their semi-rebuild looks like uh, for, for the rest of Clay and Steph and whatever's primes. Well, Lance, I appreciate your time and appreciate you jumping on the show with us and talking about the Warriors and give us an update. And uh, I agree with you, man. The NBA this season is going to look a lot different. It's going to look a lot more balanced. And I'll be honest, for the first time in a few years, I don't have an overwhelming favorite to win the NBA championship. So uh, we're doing our prediction show here in a few weeks. We got our 100th episode of Wide Men Can't Jump coming up soon. So we'll dive into all that. But I... I really appreciate you jumping on. You're always welcome on the show. Uh, let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and follow you at and uh, stay in touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and, and again, thanks again for having me. Uh, I always love being on this show. And uh, it's one of my favorite NBA podcasts out there, which I always say, but it is true. And um, so you can find me that. on Twitter. Definitely. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter. It's at Lance Smith. TPC, TPC as in the point center. Uh, I, my right now, um, my, my Twitter feed is about half NBA and half uh, high school sports uh, in LA. Uh, I'm a high school sports reporter for Scorebook Live uh, only as of the past two months. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm all of a sudden super involved in the high school sports scene. Um, and, uh, of course I'm, I'm this, the same NBA nerd and uh, I have my NBA podcasts right now. The only active one is, uh, is the quick release, um, with Stevie cousins. Um, but I have another one, uh, the matchup nightmare on hiatus right now. So, uh, still, even, even though I'm focusing on my day job, uh, and loving it, uh, I'm still, uh, still, still got some NBA activity. So come find me on Twitter at. Lance Smith, TPC. Yeah, I, I cover some high school sports. I work in radio, so uh, I do commentary for a lot of high school sports. We're doing football games every Friday night right now, so I know the feeling of being involved with high school sports. It's uh, 
It takes up more time than what yeah. you think, but it's a great time though. You you love it. Absolutely, Absolutely well, man. That's totally again, weird. Lance. And uh, thank you, thank uh, you so much again for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon, my man. Hell yeah! Thanks again for having me. Um, Anytime, yeah, man. Thank talk you. To you soon. That was Lance Smith talking about the Golden State Warriors and what a crazy offseason they have had. But speaking of crazy, Tim, the other day was Batman Day. Did you know that? I did, in fact. Uh, I didn't celebrate, however. Well, the good people at Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC did celebrate. They were posting Batman stuff all day. They've got an original Batmobile playset. It's still in the box. $40 they're looking for. They've also got the Batman statue for sale $40 for that and of course the 2004 Mattel San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Batman $30 for that and they've also got the Batman Arkham City statue $40 for that go check them out also if you're an Umbrella Academy fan they've got four of the Umbrella Academy official umbrellas go check them out $30 a piece only four in stock check them out Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC head on over and let the inner nerd in you run wild. Let's hear some more from Atomic Comic Collectibles. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Again, thanks to all our great sponsors here on the show, Stephen P. New Law Office, StripCamFun.com, Atomic Comics Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets. All right, Tim, let's talk about Andre Iguodala real quick. Iguodala was told recently by the Memphis Grizzlies not to report to training camp as they are looking to move him, and I don't think he's going to be with the Grizzlies very long. They took on that expiring deal in the offseason to try to just clear up some cap space in the future. They're looking to trade him for a first-round pick to a contender, but so far no one is biting. What uh, You have any updates? I know you were looking around over at the athletic yeah, you know, to see if there was any updates. I didn't see anything, but you got to wonder. You think that phone call was something like, uh, yeah, hello, Andre? Yeah. Uh, Andre, we're going to pay you to stay home. And you can hear the phone <laughs> drop. <laughs> Honey, we've made it. Yeah, why would you, like... You know, it's not really – I mean, he doesn't really lose in any way because he's – I mean, it's not like he's a rookie trying to make his mark no, or anything no. like I mean, that. He, he's going to have to keep himself in shape because you know somebody, a contender, is going to come calling, and Memphis is probably going to get at least a, a good second-round pick for him. I think that will be all they can get. 
somebody's going to make a move for him because he's too good right now not to as a veteran player. Sean Livingston retired from the Warriors. Iguodala not ready to hang it up yet. So uh, we'll see yeah, what goes on big, there. Yeah, he's getting a big check, isn't he? Oh, yeah, it's a nice contract. I mean, uh, it must if I'm be not nice. mistaken. Must be nice to have so much money that you can afford to pay a guy millions of dollars to do nothing. Like I've, like I've never yeah. understood that. Like if the, if the guy's not gonna, I mean, I understand. Okay, we're not gonna play you. All right, they can't find something else for him to do. Like he, like he, you know, he's been around the league for a long time, veteran player. They want to pick much, his. They want to pick his brain, he, maybe. Guess how much he makes this year? Oh, I'm gonna guess it's something crazy, like over ten million. Keep going. Yeah. Is it over twenty? Is it over twenty million? <laughs> No, it's not over twenty. Seventeen million dollars. Okay, so you would think like even rich people would think, okay, I'm, I'm spending seventeen million dollars on this dude. Let's have him, you know, at least be with the team for practice. Let's pick his brain. Let's get him to scouting report on players. Something. Why? Why send them home? I don't understand that. I never did, unless they're so worried he's going to disrupt team chemistry. Or, but then even then, have him working, you know. Send him to the front yeah. office and and get him to do PR or something. Get well, that seventeen the, million back. According to this, the Grizzlies uh, told him he will not have to be at media day or to training camp. They're going to look to move him, and they're also going to let him conti- continue his private workouts while they look to trade him. Um, He's probably keeping Iguodala on the roster anymore. into the regular season means cutting a current player. Uh, so it looks like Iguodala's seventeen million dollar contract. Um, it was just uh, became something they took on because it expired this year, and they're looking to get rid of it. I mean, he's thirty five, so he's he ain't got if he's got anything left in the tank, there it won't be much, and probably not worth seventeen million dollars. Um, yeah. and he's done it all. I mean, he's uh, he was a Finals MVP back in fifteen. Won three titles. He's been an all-star. He's been on the all-defensive team. He's done all that stuff. I mean, he got nothing to prove. I don't know. I'd just take my $17 million and declare uh, that I was retiring when the year was over. Nah, he can, but we'll have to wait and see. But people that don't retire and people that aren't slowing down, the Milwaukee Bucks will continue our around the league. You're going to get some bonus content this week. We're going over our two-hour limit because we had so many teams we have to cover. A uh, little preview. Next week, Tim, we're doing both L.A. squads, Lakers oh. and Clippers. So next fight. week, next week is all L.A. The 100th episode, which will feature so many surprises that we're looking forward to. We're going to look at, hopefully, the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. And then the next week after that, will be episode 101, where we will look at the last team in our off-season breakdown, the Minnesota Timberwolves. There's we have saved so the much, best for last. There's so much wrong with them, they get an episode to themselves. That's right. All right. But right now, we've got Bart Winkler. Bart Winkler is on. He's going to be talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, host of Chuck and Winkler from 107.5, the fan in Milwaukee. Uh, Tim, what do we I do? Hey, Ponzi, roll the tape. Back on the show once again is the co-host of Chuck and Winkler. Weekday mornings, 
from 6 to 10 a.m. on 107.5 The Fan in Milwaukee. Our guy, Bart Wingler. Bart, thanks again for jumping on the show to talk a little Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, happy to do so. I mean, we're we're optimistic here. We, you know, with the Raptors having their title and then dispersing, it looks like the Bucks, along with maybe the Sixers and then the Celtics too. It looks like it looks like the the competition's narrowed a little bit. So we're excited to get the season underway. Yeah, and somehow the Bucks got better. I don't. <laughs> it kind of amazes me. Uh, the rich got richer in the off season in terms of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, let's go ahead and look at some of the departures. You know, Malcolm Brogdon leaves. Nikola Mircic is gone, but they bring in Robin Lopez and Wes Matthews. Um, so you got both Lopez brothers. I think this is the first time since Stanford that they've both been on the same team. And if anything, that's going to sure up that center position uh, there next to Giannis. What's your thoughts on bringing in Robin to play alongside of his brother in Milwaukee? Well, and then you've also got uh, Giannis's brother, Thanasis, uh, too. That oh joined. yeah, so they've got a pair. They've got a pair of brothers here. I think that you know the Bucks. They lose Malcolm Brogdon, and then it's kind of like, well, who's going to replace his minutes? I don't think. Let's say he gets you twenty-five, thirty minutes a night. I don't think that's going to come from one guy. They've got. They've picked up so many of these like ninth, tenth guys on the roster, third, fourth, fifth guys off the bench, whether that's uh dragon Bender, who we'll see if he, you know, ultimately makes a team, what kind of impact he could have, whether that is a Robin Lopez, uh, Wesley Matthews looks like he'll start where Brogdon did. Kyle Korver has been added to this team. So there's a lot of guys on this team that, that they've added. And then with some of the pieces getting another year under them, DiVincenzo was hurt for a lot of last year. Um, hopefully more progression from Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson. So it, uh, it's interesting. I think that the big, big, big Malcolm Brogdon backers will say maybe the Bucks didn't get better, but I, I think they certainly did get deeper. And I equate, you know, in a long season where you're going to have Giannis probably resting some more with load management and Middleton too, I think deeper is better. So I would say, yeah, the Bucks got better. We'll see how big of a loss. Malcolm is, but uh, yes, definitely they did good for the kind of cap constraints they were under. I think the Bucks did have a nice off season. Yeah, maybe maybe they didn't get better player wise, but to me, the deeper the team, the more weapons you have, the better you are yeah. the better off you are being able to, you know, bring in a Kyle Korver for ten minutes and just let him run off of screens and shoot threes. I mean, guys like that are, are very valuable in this NBA. I mean, look at J.J. Redick and even Corver when he was in Utah. I mean, how valuable is a three-point shooter like that? And maybe that was an area the Bucks were lacking in last season a little bit, uh, three-point shooting. If there was any flaw in their game, that may have been the only one I can think of. Well, that's kind of what Budenholzer's system is is about, is, is guys getting open to take the three – and spreading that floor for Giannis. And during the season, I mean, they did a good job at that. But the lasting image of the Bucks, it's the it's the three-pointers that did not go down against Toronto. And, you know, Nikola Mirotic, we thought that was going to be a huge acquisition. He completely bottomed out in the playoffs. He had a lot of guys with a lot of open threes, and that really did kill them. So they're definitely, as you can see with the roster construction, 
was a focus on that. Because I think for a team like Milwaukee, you know, some of these teams try to put together rosters that are going to get them into the playoffs. The Bucks are putting – the pieces they're adding aren't for, like, to win 50 games. They'll do that in their sleep. It's to get through the Eastern Conference semis. It's to get past the Eastern Conference finals. So there may be some trades along the way, but I think the Bucks have picked up at least the pieces that they think will have an impact at that part of the year. Yeah, and, and people will bring up, you know, yeah, they may be deeper, but maybe Philadelphia has the better starting five. But I look at Philadelphia's bench, and I look at Milwaukee's bench, and I look at the rotation they have. Those five guys for Philly are going to have to play about 40 minutes apiece, uh, whereas Milwaukee's guys are going to be a lot more fresh. Uh, they're going to be able to use guys like Ersan Ilyasova. They're going to bring in George Hill, guys like that who can really make a huge difference. And they're going to have fresher legs come playoff time. If it does, in fact, come down to those two teams, um, you know, I think Indiana might have something to say. Boston, also a good team. But we'll see. Those are the two favorites right now. Those are your heavyweight favorites. But uh, looking at this Bucks roster, um, what do you think would be the weak spot for the Milwaukee Bucks? You know, losing Brogdon hurts, but you still got Bledsoe, still got George Hill. But is there really a weak point for this Bucks roster right now? Well, we'll see. I mean, again, yeah, Hill will get more minutes. I didn't mention him. That's a good call. We'll see again if if Brogdon's production can be matched. I mean, there were some nights, even with Giannis, well, maybe not with Giannis, but where he looked like the second best player on the floor. I mean, he there were some nights he did take over. So they are they are losing a quality guy in Malcolm Brogdon. I, I mean, they can replace with a bunch of spare parts here, but they did lose him. I think they did as good of a job as they could to replace Malcolm Brogdon without, you know, trading a one-for-one kind of situation. But we'll see what his absence leaves. Maybe down low. I know sometimes Brooke Lopez can get exposed. I mean, if you have Embiid versus Lopez, Lopez is going to be out of that game pretty quick um, with with the power that Embiid's got down there. So maybe still somebody like that when you match up against the Sixers. But that then it does come down to depth. And you're right. I think the Bucks are going to have the best depth in the league, just like I thought they did in the Eastern Conference last year. And I thought nothing of Toronto's depth. And then guys like Fred Van Vliet are becoming near, you know, Eastern Conference Finals MVPs. So it's about that depth. You know, it's about keeping these guys healthy. It's about the stars coming up and showing up every night. But on paper, man, I just I don't think there's ever been a more optimistic time to be a Bucks fan, at least, you know, since the mid-'80s. I mean, this team got so close last year. And, yeah, they got close in 2001. But then the, the next year they were a complete mess after that. This team will use that playoff experience, I think. will use another year under Budenholzer. will use the motivation that I think Chris Middleton has. Signs a huge contract, but still everybody doubts him. So I think that – there's a lot of optimism and we'll see if they can expose or, or exploit or, or, or tape up band-aids, whatever weaknesses come up. Well, you mentioned Milton. I'm glad you did. Do you like the uh, re-signing him for the big contracts that he got? I mean, I think most people would agree that he's probably the second best option on the team. He's making upwards of $30 million a year now. Do you like signing Middleton to that long-term deal? 
The problem with that contract is, I mean, it's going to be like 35-40 when all is said and done. The problem with it is if you look at Middleton and say, is Chris Middleton worth $40 million comparatively if you're going to take the whole NBA, start over, start drafting guys, slotting them with the salary they deserve? I mean, probably not. Middleton is uh, an example of the system where he's with the team for so long and the NBA at least tries to let you re-sign your own guys. The Bucks could offer him more than any other team, and if they would have lost him, you wouldn't have been able to. You you couldn't have spent that thirty-five million dollars, let's say, on Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. It, it wouldn't have been there. It wouldn't have existed. So I think it was imperative for the Bucks to re-sign Chris Middleton. I don't think he's as appreciated in the state of Wisconsin and with Bucks fans. He's a kind of a polarizing guy here because of how much money he does make, and so we expect him to play like a forty million dollar player. We expect him to play like one of these, like not just a borderline all-star, but an all-star all-star. So I think that, you know, it'll be big on Chris this year to, to show to himself, to show to his teammates, to show to the fans that, yeah, not only do I deserve to be here, but I deserve the amount of money I'm making. The, the short answer is yes. I'm glad he's back. I, I think he's a tremendous player. I do think he does a lot of the little things that go unnoticed. He completely changed his game. I mean, he was, about as mid-range of a shooter as it got in the NBA, and he kind of had to scale that back when Buter and Holzer came in. Now, they did allow him to shoot more mid-range because he's good at it than maybe anybody else would in that system. But Chris Middleton is just – when you're looking for guys that need to be on this Bucks team, I mean, yeah, you want, to, you want the five best players on your team, all right, and then they start for you. That's unrealistic. What the Bucks need to do is find the guys that complement Giannis. That's why they do the system that they do, where you spread the floor and have guys that can knock down the three. And Middleton, I just think, more than anything, he is a great compliment to Giannis. So they absolutely had to sign him. I don't, I don't know what they would have done without it. Do you like the Wes Matthews edition? Wes Matthews played with the Pacers last year. He comes over now to Milwaukee. He's going to be filling it that shooting guard spot as a spot. Maybe they're a little uh, – a little weaker. I mean, they do have DiVincenzo, Corver, but Corver's not going to get the minutes. Matthews may get the start this season. Do you like Wes Matthews coming in? Kind of a uh, – he's a veteran, brings some good shooting. Uh, what do you think of that addition to this roster? Yeah, and he's a Milwaukee guy. You know, grew up in the area and, and went to school at Marquette. So, I, I think that he was a guy that they had been targeting in the buyout market and even in free agency – a few years ago. I think he's another one of these guys that can D up a little bit for you and then also pop a three when it's needed. So he's the perfect kind of guy for the system. I don't know how high the ceiling is for him, but I also don't think the floor is very low either. I think that, you know, if you expect 15, 20 a night from him, eight, 10 points, I think that should be, I think that should be quite feasible. Yeah, I understand that. Um, looking at looking at this roster again, like like it's crazy to me. I'm looking at ten guys that are easily going to see ten plus at least ten plus minutes a game, if not more. Um, how does Budenholzer kind of balance that out? Is there going to be like a learning curve on what guys play when and who plays best? With, uh, Giannis is, is he going to look at this and say, okay? 
when Giannis is on the floor, we have to have, you know, Middleton and Bledsoe or is Giannis basically going to have to adapt and start being able to play with anybody? Yeah. And that's kind of what you saw last year. I mean, there were stretches where like DJ Wilson didn't play for two months and then he played a bunch and he didn't play again. DiVincenzo played and he got hurt. Then he didn't play. And then Sterling Brown played, then didn't play, then played again. So I think there is going to be that. Plus I think this buck season too, there's going to be more of that load manager and stuff. I mean, I, I, Geez, I don't know how many games Giannis will suit up for. I would think 60. I would think he sits out maybe one out of every four games. I mean, that's just a, a guess. We'll find out maybe they have their media day coming up. Maybe we'll ask those questions. They won't answer them, so I don't even know what I'm thinking. But I, I do think <laughs> that uh, you're going to see a lot more rest from Giannis because they're going to they're gonna need a Giannis at about 9,500% come playoff time. I mean, you saw – how it benefited Kawhi Leonard. And I know the NBA doesn't like that trend, but it's a long season. And 82 games of travel back-to-back that beats up on you, especially with how hard guys like Kawhi and guys like Giannis play. So I think guys will certainly get their minutes, but it will be, it will be because there will be nights where Giannis sits out. There will be nights when Middleton sits out. There could be nights when, when Lopez sits out, Bledsoe sits out. So I think it's going to be – a lot of that. And along the way, what you hope for is that Budenholzer finds the best sort of eight man crew and what's going to work best, maybe nine man crew that's going to work in a playoff matchup against uh, any one of these number of teams that look, I think the bucks are on paper. I would put them as the favorites, but Philly's been tough. I think Boston's a mystery again, but I think they're, I think they're better off with Kemba to be honest. And uh, and I think that, yeah, like the Pacers you mentioned, I don't think we'll see Durant, but if, if Durant comes back even in March and the Nets get in, you know, they're going to be a tough out. So it's going to be tough, and, and I think they'll, they'll manage the season accordingly because of that. What about our guy, Pat Connington? I uh, really liked him, played heavy minutes against Boston last year. Honestly, so many, there's so many pieces to this team. It's hard to dissect uh, how many players that they actually have that could see time. Will we see him any this season? He was another one of those guys that played for a little bit, then didn't play, then played for a little bit, then didn't play. But he was so good in the playoffs uh, that that I would think he's at least going into this a part of the rotation. You do have, I mean, you got your starters, or you got your core four, I think, with Lopez, Bledsoe, Middleton. Giannis, and then you do have like you almost got eight nine guys. I mean, Frank Mason could pop up, Dr- Dragon Bender could pop up. You've got this this group of guys that they've got to figure out of the thirteen or so of them, what's going to be the best eight. And there are going to be guys that could play on other teams and maybe start on other teams. I mean, I'm sure Pat Connaughton could start on a handful of teams in the league consistently every night. But he's going to be another piece of that bench somewhere, and they've got to figure out who the right guys are. It's just going to be about who plays the best. I mean, I don't. I I, I think some people can say I don't envy Budenholzer's position, but he's got a lot of toys. Just see which ones work best, and and try to put yeah. together a good recipe from there. Yeah, it, it's a good problem to have, honestly. Uh, it's a problem that m- most coaches in in the league don't have. So this is going to be uh, a fun watch this year for the Bucks. Uh, looking at Giannis, though, all coming off an MVP year, 
honestly was and well deserved, played great, looked great. Does he go for the back to back? Do you think he can get the back to back? Or are we maybe putting too high of expectations? Or is he more focused on playing for a championship than focusing on becoming an MVP again? Yeah, he's told the crowd not to call him MVP anymore. Uh, he told them that at a pep rally this summer. He told Milwaukee fans not to call him MVP because he wants to be motivated to try to win it again. And I think the only thing that would step in his way is if he doesn't play you know, close to like 75 games, if he does sit out a lot. And if, if that is the plan for him, Budenholzer is going to have a hard time convincing Giannis that, look, this is what's best for you, to, to sit every now and then. The The thing, too, with the MVP race is James Harden's complained so much in the offseason. That's his championship. Harden ain't never winning a championship, okay? <laughs> James Harden's championship <laughs> – James Harden's title is the MVP. And so that that's what he wants. That's what he craves. And I think that if it's close again between Harden and Giannis, yeah, I mean, I think the media is going to say, well, we gave it to Giannis last year. So I think, I think Harden's going to go pretty hard for that MVP award. Yeah. I don't know. Not, I don't know if there's enough basketball to go around in Houston, but that's another story for another time. Uh, looking yeah. though at the looking though at the Bucks, um, they're projected here. If you're a betting man, uh, and we are here at this show a lot of times, um, a lot of places are predicting them fifty-seven and a half, fifty-six and a half, fifty-eight. I've even seen over/unders. Are they the number one team in the East this year again? What's your thoughts? Where do the Bucks end up this season? What's their win total look like? Um. I would probably go over that. I maybe by a little. I think because even if Giannis sits, the team that they're going to put out there on those nights. I mean, all the guys we've talked about, they're still they're still capable of winning basketball games. And and the East, you know, it is pretty top heavy again. So it's not like they're going to be facing murderous competition each and every night. And I think they'll they'll sit the guys they have to sit accordingly. So I would go over. I do like them. Uh, I do like them to to get out of the East. As a Bucks fan, it's still hard to say that, but I like them to get to the, I like them to get to the finals last year. They just ran into, you know, they just ran into Kawhi Leonard and and a team of destiny. And it still goes back to that series. If Fred Van Vliet doesn't make some of the amazing shots he made, and you give Miritich one or two threes a night that he missed, the Bucks are going to the NBA Finals. And with the Warriors injuries, who knows what could have happened? So it's just it's a tough situation uh, looking back on that, but I think that I think that the Bucks are in good shape, and I think that the uh, they should be they should be in the NBA final. Do you think they have what it takes to beat one of those Western Conference teams? Like depending on who it is, I mean there could be any number, but the West is very tough. It's going to be a dogfight to get out. Kawhi's out west now. Of course, Anthony Davis is on the Lakers. There's a lot of teams that are claiming their stakes for the West, and it's a shootout out there. Do the Bucks, who are my pick, also spoiler alert out there. I think the Bucks are coming out of the the East this year. Do they have what it takes to win the championship? I'm going to say yes. Um, we'll see who gets out of that West. Hopefully, it's the case that they all beat each other up. But I think that uh, they're a good enough team, man. I mean, 
as long as Giannis doesn't get shut down the way Toronto maybe shut him down, I think the Bucks still have to sort of game plan for that. And whether that's just more guys hitting their shots or Giannis working on that mid-range jumper or that turnaround jumper, I think that they should be, you know, they're, I think they're a top three team. you got the L.A. teams. I wouldn't count out Golden State. I like Russell over there. I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, definitely not counting them out. Definitely not because if Russell clicks with them and – Clay comes back healthy, man. That's a dangerous team again. Um, don't sleep on San Antonio either. I know a lot of people are going, "Why San Antonio?" They they made the playoffs in a very tough West last year with missing like most of their players. So I don't sleep on them. Houston's got Westbrook and Harden now. I mean, you, you just don't know the West. Like, there's legitimately ten to eleven teams that are playoff teams. Whereas I look at the East, I'm thinking three or four teams maybe have a an out, have a really good shot, and I think the Bucks and the Sixers are the two that everyone's picking. And based on how the rotation looks and the depth, unless Philly makes some sort of miraculous deal to get some bench depth, man, I think Milwaukee's got this, and that's that's just how I'm looking at it. So uh, Bucks are, in my opinion, the Bucks are going to the finals this year. Yeah, I think so too. Whether they win it, I mean that I'm not ready to. I don't know that my gut feeling says they get there and don't win. But that was also my gut feeling last year, and then they didn't get in. So we'll see. <laughs> Maybe your gut says they get in and win, and they'll get there and not win. So we'll see. But, <laughs> yeah, we'll, but see. we'll see what happens. But Bart, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show and uh, breaking down Milwaukee. We could talk about the Bucks all day. They've just got so many pieces this year, and they're going to be a dangerous team. And if you're a Milwaukee fan, get ready. This is going to be a fun year for you and enjoy it. So let our listeners know, Bart, where they can keep up with you and follow you and uh, keep up with your work. Check me out. I'm at Winks Thinks on Twitter, Winks Thinks. Uh, We have our show. uh, It's called Chuck and Winkler. Just download the uh, app called Radio.com and uh, look for Chuck and Winkler, and you'll find it five days a week talking bucks packers brewers everything wisconsin and a little more so that's where i am again at wink thinks on twitter all right sounds good bar by the way man aaron Rodgers, could we get a little more out of him in the second half for my fantasy team purposes good lord man he looked great in the first half and then i can't get anything out of him in the second half to help my fantasy team out yeah, uh, it might take a while on his fantasy numbers till this offense gets clicking. I would. Who's your backup? Oh, it depends on the league. Honestly, I'm in so many fantasy football leagues. <laughs> Again, we're betting men over here at White Men Can't Jump. <laughs> oh, yeah, goodness. well, I mean, Rogers, Rogers might be better for you come like the playoff push because the offense will figure out what's going on by then. I hope I can make the playoffs. Uh... Back up. Oh, yeah. Back up is uh, – this is a two-quarterback league, so we have to start two Ooh. quarterbacks. I start him and Cousins, and uh, my backup is Jacoby Brissett. So, Brissett actually had a better week than both of them. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah, ride Brissett. Ride Brissett for a week. Well, not <laughs> not this week. Packers, Eagles. Maybe, maybe when the Packers go take on Dallas. I don't know who the Colts play, but – Maybe throw Brissett in there once or twice so Rogers figures this thing out. May have to. May have to. But again, Bart, thanks again for jumping on and we'll have you back as the season goes along and we'll talk some more bucks. I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate it.
All right. And that was Bart Winkler from 107.5 The Fan in Milwaukee, host of Chuck and Winkler in Milwaukee, talking about the Bucks. And that is all the show we have for you tonight. Uh, Tim had to step away. He had a couple of things he had to do here as we ran a little overtime here on Wide Man Can't Jump, but we hope you liked it. Uh, a little 15 minutes extra for you. So hope you enjoyed the show. I know we always do. Next week's episode 99, where we're talking all about L.A., Clippers, Lakers, we're going to dive into those two teams. And again, episode 100 coming soon, Memphis and the Pelicans. And then we'll finish off the offseason roundup with my Timberwolves. And we'll uh, be diving deep into those teams as well. So, of course, always subject to change. You never know. But that's where we in, That's where it looks like we're headed. Of course, episode 100 around the corner, we're going to be talking about how the podcast of Wide Men Can't Jump and everything we do and how it came to be from the brainchild of Tom Robinson and him getting in touch with me and where it all came from there. So uh, we'll talk a little more about that because apparently there's stuff I don't know, there's stuff Tim doesn't know, there's stuff Tom doesn't know, and all three of us will be talking about that. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, don't miss it. Episode 100, not far off, but episode 99 will be coming your way in a week. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, Tim and Tom are discussing another Pick'em show. They actually do rather well on these picks. So if you're a betting person, head over and listen to Tim and Tom's Pick'em Show. It should be out late Friday night, so if you want to get those early college football picks in, you can listen to it uh, late Friday night, early Saturday morning, or you can get your NFL picks in for Sunday for sure. So check it out. It'll be the Tim and Tom Pick'em Show. Don't miss it. It should be out fr- late Friday night, early Saturday morning. Make sure you're in for that. We want to thank you guys for this edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. Uh Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Stephen P. New Law Office, newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, Stay Classy Meets at stayclassymeets.com. Again, use promo code WIDEMAN, save yourself 10% on your order, and get a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Go order, check them out, support our sponsors. As long as you support our sponsors, they can support us and get you more of this show that you love so much and take away some of the cost that it costs us to run this show. Because this, uh, this empire is not free, ladies and gentlemen. But you guys have been awesome. Uh, Patreon page, we just got a Patreon interview up with Headbanger Glenn Ruth. He was Headbanger Thrasher. It's on our Patreon page. You don't want to miss that. And coming up, uh, not this week, but next week, interview with West Virginia native and former WWE Tag Team Champion Henry O. Godwin. That's right. Henry Godwin will be on. And he and I had a nice long talk about his career in wrestling. Here's some stories about the BSK and about his meeting with Vince McMahon and exactly what went down and how the gimmick came to be. So that was a really interesting conversation. You guys will love it. Check it out. Patreon.com slash wide men can't jump. And uh, that'll do it for us. Go leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you left us one before, go check. And Leave us another one if you can, because we had to do a little switching on the platform. But go check it out on iTunes. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, go leave us a five-star review um, and leave some descriptions for us. It really helps the show out. We're on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and much more. Check us out at widemancantjump.com. 
where you can access our player there as well. Don't miss it. Next week will be a great show, and then the week after that, 100th episode, then we'll start Season 3. It's right around the corner. Don't miss it, guys. NBA season's not far off. We're going to be diving headfirst in. We can't wait to keep bringing you more content. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm Nate. For Tim and TR and everyone else here at Wide Men Can't Jump, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace. I ain't even gotta say it, that's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencantjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at widemencantjump.com and also be sure to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, at widemencanjump.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts that are available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com and by cambay.com. Be sure to visit cambay.com and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Men Radio Network.